Hello, universe, everybody out there, all your listening ears. Uh, this is going to be another episode of the Collective Podcast. This is going to be an interesting one, um, a really interesting one, I think. It's going to be a joint one, and I think this will be fun just because it's fun to try things that are different and jump outside of your norm, and this is going to just be one of those things. We're going to be doing a joint podcast, so <clears throat> my friend Andre, Elijah, reach out to me. Hello, who is on the other side of this conversation. He reached out to me. He's doing a podcast himself, which is freaking killer. And he's just been recording uh, conversations with a bunch of other industry professionals and um, reached out to me and wanted to do one with me. And I thought, hey, let's do a joint one. There's been a lot of people asking me about just, you know, stuff about how I became who I am and that stuff. And honestly, like I was telling Elijah, it's very weird for me to talk about me myself on my own podcast because i don't want to ever i want people to be like this fucking guy he's so chauvinistic he just talks about himself i don't want to do that so i was very cautious and not allowing that to happen but i think that there's a nice middle ground that we can work on here in this conversation because i'm going to interview andre and he's going to interview myself and uh just a little bit of uh, information that he's given me about himself is that he's currently up in toronto um, he works in post-production workflow, and he specializes with the RED camera. And he's been acting since he's a kid. He's only 25 years old, and he's been in, doing post-work for 12 years now. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to chat with you and just kind of pick your brain, and this will be fun. For sure. I want to talk about the RED and all that stuff as well. Um, cool. I've had a little bit of experience. I've worked with the uh, Alexa. That's, I think that's Ooh. how you say it, which yeah, is RED. Alexa. Really beautiful, and the lenses that you can use on there are really great, and the... The way it di- way it processes the uh, information is really rad. And then um, just recently had a lot of um, experience with the 5D Mark III, which is really cool. The Canon camera, which is rad. Just pick it up and go. Um, but um, my friends and a lot of people I know work with the Red, and they they love it. And the image quality is great too. It's pretty for pretty. Um, it's pretty amazing actually what it can produce. Um, but like you're saying, that's problematic. So. Oh, yeah. But anyways, without further ado, welcome to the Joint Podcast. Hello, sir. What's up, dude? <laughs> Thanks for reaching out and putting the energy out there to get my busy ass on, off of the work stuff and have a good conversation. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm stoked. I'm, I've been digging your podcast now for, fuck, I think it's almost been a year. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Something thank, like that? Thank you. Yeah, there's, um, I think we just hit like 51 episodes now, I think. Yeah. I think this is our 51st. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's been really cool, man. I'm glad you enjoy it. And it's been like, it's been such a great experience because there's been so much love. You know, I was, I, uh, my friend Andrew, who helps produce these and edits them and puts all the time in to get them all up there and writes all the nice words for everybody. I sent him, I forwarded him some of the awesome emails that people get send me and it's just been like a really awesome experience like if i'm having kind of a shit day somebody writes to me and says like the podcast helped me so much for this and that and it's like dude yeah. yes universe is just like it's it's just killer you know to give for sure to give and to give back you know or to get back from this stuff and it's been really cool yeah sure <laughs> you're all yeah okay guys shut up i'm all talky right now i'm just like i, I got a decent well no it's, it's, it's a podcast so you have to be talky yeah, I guess. Why don't we be quiet for like five minutes and see if people put through it? Not joking. <laughs> it's like That'd this is awkward. Well, cue yeah. the cricket sound. <laughs> chirp, 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 chirp. Yeah, no. And so, what made you decide to do your own podcast? Um, a big part of it was yours, actually. Um, because I've been working in post for years, and 
I, you know, when I was younger, I used to work at a motion graphics shop in Toronto. We did a combination of both web and interactive and motion graphics and stuff. And so that there's always been a part of me and a part of like my brain that just kind of gravitates to that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I found that, you know, doing post workflow at times it can be kind of boring and monotonous and, you know, you might be prescribing the same workflow to a bunch of different uh, productions. Yeah. And so, you know, hearing your take on, you know, on your work for like the last year with your podcast and, you know, like G Monk has been a huge influence in my life over the years and, you know, he's a really rad dude and just like, you know, Danny Yount, obviously, and all these cool cats, you know, it's kind of made me want to reach out to that side of the film world again and, you know, the creative world and maybe I'll end up, you know, doing motion graphics again one day. Uh, that's kind of, you know, the goal of my life, but to be able to just kind of talk to you guys and engage in that dialogue and get some of the hidden stories that I haven't heard, uh, that was pretty much the uh, impetus for it. Cool. Yeah. There's so much to be, uh, there's so many stories there's so many experiences, especially with those guys with the amount of years that they have in this industry. It's like ridiculous. I'm just like an infant in comparison to those guys. And the, the amount of like, I mean, some of my favorite podcasts have been with, with both of those guys just because yeah. of the amount of creativity and things that they've been a part of and stuff and just projects that influ- and have influenced me um, creatively. They're like, you know, these really amazing creative minds that just kind of keep putting out lots of output and not nonstop, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely cool. And I think that's one thing that's really beautiful about the podcast. I think that listeners and myself get from it equally is that we not we won't all have the chance to intimately have a conversation with any of these people. Not everybody will because it's impossible for that person to give that everybody that amount of time. Yeah. But with the podcast, you get these really beautiful like moments where there's like honest conversations happening and people are talking about honest shit that's happened in their lives. Yeah or things that have been profound and changed them. And I think that's what really captures my love of the podcast because it's like, Oh, you're just like me. Like you bleed, you know, like, yeah, totally. Which is cool because at, you know, when we all hit the wall, which we all do and I hit it all the time is like, you feel like, damn, you know, if this guy hits it, then it's okay. You know, like not, not everybody's like, built perfectly you know so which is killer no definitely man the podcast is a really great form do you ever listen to uh joe rogan's podcast you know what i actually once you started mentioning i've listened to a few episodes Mm. and he's he's ridiculous he's awesome um i always thought of him it's it's funny because i always thought of him initially as like the fear factor dude right Mm -hmm. and then i started seeing him on ufc and i was like oh okay he's like also the ufc dude but but it definitely shines a different light on him that he's you know an actual complete person (laughs) oh he's got so much dimension to him he's such an interesting guy yeah i I really love his podcast His, his podcast was really him and then there was um What's his uh, grayscale gorilla? He has like kind of like a podcast thing that he was doing, and he he started talking about some really cool, interesting things. I felt, you know, regards to um, projecting yourself or like, you know, just like stuff beyond like, hey, these are some rendered, you know, examples or something. It was more like, hey, here's some life advice and how I did it, and I really uh, admired the way that he kind of. He wasn't necessarily like a designer or this creative guru, but he was able to like play with Cinema 4D and kind of build up tutorials and then build up enough like attention to propel himself to go out and speak at these events and that and stuff. And so basically, what he, he was just being himself, 
and he was succeeding and I thought that was really cool and his podcast was like pushing all those little interesting little nuances about his personality that I thought were rad. I got I got to check out the uh, the podcast because I've uh, I've I think checked it's a podcast. Out the tutorial videos. Yeah, the tutorial those. videos. Yeah. Um, and actually that's how I started learning Cinema 40 like a year ago. Same, so. same. Yeah. When I started learning it, his, his tutorials were the ones that I, I would sit, sit through because yeah. he, he set them up really quickly. They were free. I think, yeah, they're all free. Yeah, and then he they're would all just, in like Vimeo or something. Yeah. Yeah. Which is killer. And then it would be like, Hey, here's something cool and this is how you do it. And it only will take you like, you know, an hour to figure out, you know, it's yeah. not like. Because I have some like DVDs about like ZBrush, and it's like I want to shoot myself in the head. It's like they're so boring and they're just painful. Yeah, it's because it's a hard program to get into. Like it's not easy. It's and, and it's not, it's not meant to be easy for some reason yeah. because it is so complex and there's so many. They're trying to wear so many hats for everybody, you know. So, yeah. but Cinema 4D has been one of those like programs that it's really great to get in there. Like I do all my. Um, I don't know, uh, what would you call that? Uh, previs stuff. I do a lot of previs in there because it's easy. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's just fun. I do a lot of geo stuff in there because it's just, like all math. So I just start yeah. plugging in numbers and like just fucking with it until it looks cool, which is killer. Yeah. It's a really good program though. A lot of people ask me about that and a lot of people ask me like tutorials and stuff. I, I recommend uh, Grayscale Gorilla stuff. Go check it out. Um, and if you got if you got more questions, go to YouTube and just start typing in what you're looking for, and it's probably totally. there. Yeah. But yeah, I digress. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's cool well, though. Well, let's 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 go. Let's riff off of that for a second though, because you're checking out their videos as well. Um, when you wanted to make the switch or like really get into the stuff hardcore, uh, where were you going for inspiration, or where were you going for to actually learn all the technical stuff? The Cinema 4D stuff everything oh everything oh yeah. that's so broad okay so um well it all stems from being like creative and drawing as a kid yeah. and uh that's the funny thing that like my friend anthony and i always talk about is like you know when we were kids we're just sitting there doodling and having fun and all of a sudden we're like sitting at a fucking computer for 14 hours 15 <laughs> hours a day like what the fuck happened it you know manifests into all these different things and if you're not careful like you'll end up 10 years later being like whoa where did i go like i was supposed yeah. to be over here and and so I think it all comes from just the, the curiosity and, and, and the ego of wanting to be seen, you know, uh, wanting to show my work and then also like focusing on the craft and trying to be the best that I possibly can at everything that I do, you know. And so the desire to be the best um, in my own eyes, my own concept of what that is, you know, so I... So it's like if it's with art, then I look at like Otomo and Frank Miller and Jeff Darrow and Mobius and, and all these guys and then yeah. I, and Mike Mignola and I go like, well, how does my work stack up to these dudes? And then it's like, oh, it's not as good or not as not as good enough. Or and, and then I look at like movies and I look at cinematography and I look at story and narrative and I go like, well, that's really great. Like, how can I be on that same level and, and be my own voice so I can contribute, you know? So yeah. it all comes from the broad thing and then i go down to the minutia of like well now i need to learn how to like now i need to learn key shot to do a render you know right and i'm like yeah. fuck my life because this is not fun you know like this isn't this isn't what i want you know out of this out of this uh, destination you know like <laughs> and so i just have to be picky and pick and choose where i'm going with all this stuff you know 
but is if you want a specific i can tell you more like specifically out of the broadness because i i don't know like i like to think about everything very broad i don't like to yeah. just focus on like i just want to do this thing and that's really great but i like to to look at it as an overall perspective and then go okay like in five years time i want to be here so how do i get there you know yeah, no, totally. No, so actually, I, I do have a question. So when you were a kid and you were drawing and all that, was that all uh, promoted in your household? Were your parents totally on side with it? Or yeah, did they see it as yeah. a hobby? Or did they see it as, hey, this is something that, you know, you could be great at and you could turn into a career? Yeah. Because I find that talking to a lot of creatives, like I know with my own path, my parents are always, you know, really supportive of the arts, That's right? Good. I was I was in 10 bands in high school and, you know, I was doing my film thing and it was all good. But there was a part of me that was almost like, okay, I should go to school. And, you know, when I was going to university, I was like, I'm going to go to into poli sci and then I'm going to go be a lawyer to make yeah. them all proud and all that. And then finally I was like, fuck it. Like, they're <laughs> on side with me, you know, doing the cool creative shit. Let's just go make a go of it were your parents the same way yeah first off that's a blessing to have um, anybody at your creatives you know your programming stage as a child to have family and, and people that you look up to peers to um, respect and, and acknowledge the arts it's very rare and, and it's unfortunate when it doesn't happen yeah. um, it's usually a lack of like emotional atrophy or something with society when people aren't willing to accept that art is a communicative emotional like basic way of, of expressing yourself you know so when it doesn't happen it's a bummer but yeah absolutely um my mom was a bit she still is she's a bit of a like vagabond hippie artist and she's just killer um it's funny listening to g monk's podcast because his mom I, yeah. our moms have similar um kind of style i think but my mom is, is a really um very talented artist um she's very creative and so she was always creating and being artistic and um, always very um, supportive, you know. When as long as it wasn't like super violent, because right. I have I have an older brother too, and he was uh, he liked to draw really fucked up stuff, and he's really talented as well. Yeah. And and all I wanted to do is be cool like him, you know, growing up. So it'd be like crazy skulls and like you know it's the same kind of shit I draw now, basically. Right. <laughs> but I was drawing it as a kid, so my mom's like, uh, you know, this kid's got some problems. <laughs> but uh, no, it was uh, it was definitely like a nice mix between all these uh, these things. But I I had a lot of love and support, thankfully, from my family and everybody. My my grandma drew, her dad drew, my aunt was into film, and she Shit. so like it was. So it's all in the blood. Yeah, I mean. It, that's one thing I always fight with too, right? I think I've heard that a lot of that argument. It's like, you know, you're born with it and this and that. And um, I think that there's definitely, you know, if you grow up in a household where it's like, hey, go and draw, you know, it's chill. I'm not going to just make fun of you and call you a, a nerd, you know, like right, yeah. it's a positive re response and you're going to get a positive response out of it. Um, I try to do that with my daughter now. It's like, yeah, if you want to do art, you know, she, she, she sees me doing this stuff and we go to the movies and she sees it and she's, she, she connects it. And so I, I want to continue that lineage. And I think that if you, if you are in that situation where your family is supporting it, um, big or small, I think it's going to help. You're going to, it's like a yeah. positive brings a positive, you know? So, yeah, for sure. and I was just thankful and they're, you know, they're so kind and supportive, you know, like they're always like, uh, they were always like, damn, that's super good. And oftentimes I, I, I just want to, I just want to have a good positive impact on people and I just want them to enjoy the work that I do. And so when people would put all this like, damn, you're, you're good. It just, it's like, am I? 
and how good can I be, you know? So then I would just like uh, build off of that positive energy and it just can continued. So, but I'm super thankful and, you know, my mom, she rocks, she's really good at, you know, being supportive and, you know, we didn't have much of anything growing up, but I had paper and a pencil, you know, so yeah. an imagination, which is, which is something really that seems need. to lack nowadays, you know, but yeah. So, yeah every, so. Everyone wants the, uh, the creativity button on their computer now. Yeah, you, that's a funny argument right there, you know, it's like you can't, you know, go into your head first before you open up the computer. The computer is a tool, it's not the means to the end. Your mind and your creative idea is the means to the end, you know, so, and that's one thing that I, I don't know, it's been weird, you know, using the computer and like, for what it, what its tool is, and it's very deceptive, and if you're not cautious, you can get caught in the trends of what is in and what's now and what looks cool without understanding really what is happening, you know, and, and I myself am totally guilty of it so many times, you know, it's very, it's like this alluring mistress, you know, it's a beautiful thing that you want to look at, but it's, it'll confuse you to your destination. Yeah. How about you? And you had music and bands and all that stuff. And I mean, so you did, so, I mean, because I look at music and art being really similar, you know? Yeah, for sure. No, um, yeah, for me it was weird because I, uh, I went to a private school growing up. Uh, fancy, fancy, fancy. Yeah. And what was I the mean, choice it, of that? Was it just like that your parents just wanted to make sure you had a, the best start you could get? Or Yeah, I mean, uh, so I went to a school called Upper Canada College, and it's like one of the top prep schools in Canada. How was that? And, yeah, it was interesting. I mean... When I was there, I, w- I was never, you know, okay, so the school is really a sports-centric school. Um, you know, their athletes go on to play in, you know, all, all the big universities, and then some of them even go pro. And, I mean, there's a very clear focus on that. And there was a little bit of an emphasis on music, uh, but definitely not so much on film. I remember our film, uh, our film teacher for the after-school program, you know, he was funding the club out of his own pocket. And he's got, you know, some of the richest kids in Canada, you know, going to this school. It's like, there's no reason why a teacher should be funding any, any club out of his own pocket. But, you know, he saw something in it for us. Yeah. And you know, so it was great to have that kind of support from someone, you know, someone you can look up to who's worked in the industry for years and who has connections. And that, that club was really the foundation of my career. Like, I was collaborating with those guys, you know, the senior members that taught me everything for years and years and got some of my biggest gigs from it. Um, but on the flip side too, you know, you're, when you're a creative kid at a, you know, a school full of, uh, the sons of lawyers and doctors and accountants and, you know, politicians, they just kind of, they look at you in a weird way when it's like, yeah, I'm just going to go off and shoot my film now. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very weird thing. Uh, but I found though in the years since I graduated, I think, fuck, I've been out of there for like nine years or something, nine, ten that um you know i just got a magazine from the school today and another at former student now director he's on the cover of the magazine for the school and it's like you know in the years since i've been there they've now grown to kind of appreciate the arts more especially film and the careers that these kids can go off to but when i was there you know they were very much on the on the path to you know go do your poli and go be a lawyer go be an accountant or be a doctor yeah. You know, those were the, those are the big things, but I mean, it's changed. That's cool. And how, and how can it, right? In the last ten years, everything's kind of changed. So yeah, change is inevitable. That's the yeah. that's you know, death taxes and and change is is always going to be the consistent um, in life in general. Taxes? What are those? <laughs> Fucking dude, <laughs> it's what makes me pissed off. 
<laughs> at the end of the year too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I hit a big ass pothole or some bullshit happens, I'm like, <laughs> "Where's all my money going?" Yeah, it's, it's going to uh, some dude sitting at a desk. Yeah. Fucking vacation home in Bahamas or something. I don't know. With who his knows? mistress. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, maybe going to her Botox or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? You <laughs> <laughs> I mean that? I mean that's the idea of you know the romantic idea of what the the uh, anti-romantic, but the 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 notion of where this stuff goes. I'm sure a ton of it goes to just wasted time and effort and bureaucracy and fucking paper pushing. You know, just to get shit yeah. done, getting people jobs. You know, it's a big exactly overcomplicating a, the process too. Oh God. God, yeah, for everyone, yeah, it's just so fucking crazy. <laughs> it's such a big mess. <clears throat> oh yeah, I was gonna say, I think our podcast is gonna go on after the yeah, it will after we air the off thing, so we can talk about that a little bit because by oh, the time okay, it yeah. comes out, we can chat about it. So um, cool. it's not like we're revealing anything because I think usually I try to do the podcast like two to three weeks bef- before they air, just because okay. yeah, yeah. I build them up. Um, some weeks are really busy for me and some aren't so i just try to when i get the time i try to put it in too soon so if you're interested in that as yeah because well, so. uh because bradley mentioned it last week and then i was like <laughs> oh my god what's it look like he's like i don't know he hasn't fucking shown me yeah yeah i will not show him i won't show anybody really so <laughs> but yeah cool. no I'm, I'm super excited about it but the reason why i brought that up is because when you said when people overcomplicate the process and it slows it down and I absolutely agree, and the more I study film, the more I do this stuff, the more I realize that when Anthony and I, the way we're working now, and the way I think he's always seemed to work is that you keep it very simple, you have just the key members on location, yeah. you do it, and you get out of there, and you just yeah. you do the best that you can at the moment, and that's very Kubrick style as well from what I've heard and, and read, is oh. that that's why his movies were what they were, is that he would his sets for the most part were very quiet it was the actors him the dop a couple assistants you know and yeah just, just the essential people yeah you don't need a hundred people sitting around eating donuts and drinking coffee i mean some people like to have that big kind of production and that's cool they like to have a party and they like to enjoy the process like that and that that totally makes sense to me as well too it's it doesn't have to be one way or the other but when you're really your sole intent is on what the fuck you're doing, then you really need to focus on exactly what that is, you know, and yeah. getting the best results, you know. So, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so here's a question for you though: like, how did you make the transition from you know doing this, you know, drawing in your I don't know in your bedroom or in your living room uh, with a family full of artists, and how did you? transition that being okay now i'm working on some of the biggest fucking films that are coming out i got this book when i was a kid well i begged my mom for like months i live this is when i was living in hawaii in hawaii they don't have like a ton of like bookstores and stuff like that they have a couple i think this is on uh either the big island or maui i lived on four of the islands it wasn't oahu because it would have been a lot easier to get the books but I think it was, yeah, maybe it was Lanai. I can't remember. There's a small island off of Maui that we lived there as well. Um, beautiful. Hawaii is like my favorite place in the world. I want to go back. But there was this book, this bookstore, and they had The Art of Star Wars, I think. Uh, okay. The old school ones. And, and, I, yeah. and I opened it, and then I saw Yoda drawn, and I saw, like, you know, Luke Skywalker suits, like, different um, 
concepts and stuff and I saw the spaceships and all these concepts and this beautiful line art and drawings and imagination and I knew I've always been a fan of like cinema and the effects and I knew I knew kind of what it was but that book fully solidified it in my mind I, I, I decided this is exactly where I need to be what I need to do and so I had that book. Um, I, I eventually became like obsessed with Star Wars because it was that one window that I could. It would. It would. I communicated with basically my my soul's right. intent was like pour it all into that. And I think a lot of people in general are attracted to Star Wars because of its fundamental simplicity of what it is, you know, and that's totally. why it's so big. And so those books were a big change for me. And now I have a whole wall of them now, not Star Wars books, but like mostly just art of books or books about people's artistic journeys and stuff, which right. is really influential, influential for me. So that book really solidified the, the con connecting the abstract idea of like, Hey, I'm just dicking, dicking around drawing, like whatever to like, I could actually do this for a living. And, and I love films. I have always watched films. I've been a big fan of them. So I knew I wanted to do that um, and then flash forward to the career sense of how to get how to, how the career all started and how that all yeah. worked is it, uh, it was all through prologue and that whole journey and that's yeah. a whole fucking crazy journey <laughs> but that was uh, that, that was, was your uh, three hour commute each way right yeah yeah so do you want me to tell you that one? Yeah, let, let's let's dive into it a little bit because I know I know you've referenced it a bunch of times, and yeah. you and G Monk went on your. Uh, you guys talked about prologue for a bit. Yeah, uh, but let's hear your side of things. Well, I don't want to get in trouble too. I don't want people yeah. to, like to be like prologue this and that. I don't want people to project those things, and I don't want like Kyle or anybody to be upset with me because it's not that at all. I was I'm just talking about my own experience and the choices that I made personally, my own choices. Well, you know, yeah, so. and, and getting in there in the first place, and then what led you to. You know, yeah. maybe leave and go freelance and sure, you know, sure. take on other gigs too. So yeah, totally. Well, I was working at, um, I was doing design. I was in college and I was doing design for like um, snowboard and board graphics for like action sports companies because I live in San Diego and it's and action sports is like the name of the game down here. It's like skateboarding right. and every all that kind of surfing is really prevalent. I think skating started down here in this area or in LA. I can't remember. So the action sports is really a big thing down here and, and exemplifying or bringing the artistic eye to it has been a big thing. So in college, I would work at like a couple of little various things here and there. And I was working for like trans world magazine and, and little things. Um, and I was just, just dicking around. And, um, and then I started working full time at doing design for like board graphics and stuff just as a junior designer and um it was it was fun i i really enjoyed the dudes that i worked with were great um jameson scott leverett like both great guys um really really good to work with really understanding dudes and but i knew deep down that i really want my heart was in film and so knowing that i, I just had to take the responsibility to focus on that and so i really started to observe like okay how can i get myself over there to this next world and so I started looking at all the motion houses and I made a list of every house that I really liked and right. and uh, prologue was on there obviously and then I said okay well how can I get their attention you know it's important I think to get perspective and constantly be like well you know this is a money game so I have to look at like if I'm going to do this I got to put my passion into it but I also have to capture their um, curiosity enough for them to have a conversation with me or to offer me a position so that I can 
make them money or help them out with making money or do something. And it's, it's a two way street, obviously, yeah. right? I get the exchange of making work. I get paid for it. It's, you know, a two way thing. So anyways, uh, so for, like, I think it was like, I gave myself a timeline of, of three months and, and then I spent like every night after the girls went to sleep, I spent every night until like three or four in the morning working on my uh, portfolio and just focusing, like making projects basically like being like, okay, well, I'm going to make my own job. Here's a title sequence for this. And it's like a film that I just manifest and make up, you know? And, and, uh, and when I look back at it, it's such horrible work. I can't believe I got even hired for the job, but I, I guess it's the effort, you know, and they, maybe they could see that I could draw. So anyways, uh, three months go by and I, okay, time's up. I'm, and I put it all together on a nice presentable website because you can't get anywhere without people seeing it. People can only buy what they can see. It's very important to present yourself properly. So, I went to like Cargo Collective or something like that and just made a very clean site. This is back when Cargo, I think, first started. Okay. And so I made a very clean site and uh, I sent it out to every freaking studio around, probably like, I don't know, 60 different studios. None of them replied aside from Prologue. And I was wow. like blown away because Prologue was like, I didn't think that would be possible. It was like, yeah. you know, they had just, I think it was like Rock and Rolla had just kind of released. And it was like, fuck, these guys are really like, they're home running right now. They're, you know, it's yeah. like a Pixar thing going over there. It's like, there it's like nonstop home runs from that place. And so I was really amazed. And, and, and Kyle Tamo, who was the president of the company, he, he, he had me come up and have an interview. And um, I think it was Kyle's wife, Kim, who noticed my work, I think. And, and, it was curious to see if I could help because at Prologue, I think they just had mostly designers and, and the post dudes and they, they, uh, they had a couple artists I think on hand, but they wanted to have that as another angle tool, you know, in the tool chest basically. Yeah, so sure. I was really ecstatic. They offered me a job. Um, and the problem was, is I live in San Diego. I'm, I'm, I'm down here. Uh, I can't leave because, um, my daughter, we have split custody with her birth father because when I met yeah. my wife, my my wife had Kira before I met my wife, and so we can't like leave, you know. So right. and we had like our house and our, all our friends and family are down here, so it was just rooted. Yeah. So I said, you know, I had a long conversation with my wife, many conversations actually, um, about what that was going to do to the family and whether it was worth it and this and that. And then uh, we both agreed and decided that I'd give it one year and that's it because she knew that if she didn't allow me to do it, I'd be pissed <laughs> right. and I wouldn't feel like I was living up to my potential, you know? So, and then, uh, yeah. So then, uh, so basic day for one whole year was, uh, um, get up at like, I don't know, six thirty in the morning. Um, my friend Nate who worked by the train station to pick me up, my buddy Nathan, and, uh, he would drop me off right where he was going to work to the train mm -hmm. station. I'd catch, I think like the seven thirty train or eight, seven thirty, I think, and then take the train into the center of, of LA, uh, get there around like, uh, I think it was the eight o'clock train. Yeah. Get there at 10 o'clock. Then I had my car in the garage there and I'd take my car out and I'd drive my car from the train station from like 10, 15, I'd take the 10, uh, west towards um, Santa Monica, which is where Prologue is, and there's traffic always in LA, so it would take me like yeah. 30 to 45 minutes. I'd get to my desk usually at 11 o'clock um, every day, and then I'd work all the way until 9, mm -hmm. um, you know, taking breaks, obviously, and dinner and stuff, and, uh, and, uh, and I just... 
take a drive back to the train station, take the train back home, um, and uh, get home around like 12 o'clock. And my wife was such a trooper; she would pack Kira up in the car let <laughs> that night at late at night, and then pick me up from the train station and wow. and and bring me home. And then uh, you know, brush my teeth, take a shower, try to calm my brain down, and then go to sleep. You know, and rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat until I was getting to a point where I needed to, and 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 it was very amazing because the situation I've never been in a situation like that ever, a creative situation, where everybody around me is just so exceptionally talented and and and, and gifted at what they did, based off of like their obsession with what they do. So mm-hmm. it was really cool and refreshing to see like people, um, really being good at what they did basically and creating good work. And, and it's crazy. There's so much work and so much talent and so much, so many things that people, you only see like maybe 2% of it on the website really, you know, right. like all the pitching and all the things that never get see the light of day and all these amazing ideas sure. and concepts, just like phenomenal, you know, just like really beautiful. Um, but it was just a really amazing experience. It was really beautiful. And uh, I mean, uh, towards the end, I, I lost my, my shit. And I went kind of nuts because of just like sleep deprivation and, and just hitting a wall um, in the stress that I allowed myself to put through and stuff. Because I guess it like added a lot of importance. You know? If you're going to commute three hours a day and put your family through all this strife and shit, then every minute that you're at this place, you're going to do the best that you can, you know? Yeah. So to make it worth something at the end. Oh, you have to. It's an it's a big investment, you know. It's like almost like I went to five years of mastery college and I smashed it all into one. And I'm known to do that, and and, and that's why I have like moments of just complete break. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So that's kind of so from there, I was able to connect myself with uh, really amazing, powerful jobs and people that were doing really great things, and and get myself more in that light of work, you know, in that line of work mm-hmm. and. And that's where kind of uh, it kind of went from, you know. And I, and I left there, and I went and helped my friend Matt out for a little bit. I think like three or five months, um, helping his studio and giving him some work. And you know, he gave me a good paycheck, steady paycheck. And and from there, I realized that I needed to just go f- freelance and just become my own entity. And, and then I just decided to make quit that job. That weekend, I made a website. Then it got featured on Motionographer. Right, and yeah, then, it's one of my favorite websites. Yeah, exactly. And Justin, I had Justin on, and he's he's awesome. Just talking with him uh, today, actually, and and super thankful that it caught his eye and, and went on there. And then ever, you know, I've never had to look for a job since, honestly, because I mean, it's also that I work very, very hard and I put myself into everything, you know. So um, it's just. Yeah, it's been it's been a blessing, and I'm just really thankful, and it's all seemed to work out really well. So, so actually, that was gonna be my follow-up question. I was wondering if you're one of those creatives with a uh, with an agent, but I guess uh, just yeah. got a calling card off a motionographer, and things been pouring in since, basically. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I I think that I mean, I just had Jessica Hish on, and she I think she has kind of an agent or like a, a person that helps her with that stuff, and I think that part of me wants to have that because part of me well right now it's going so good so if it started to dry up i'd maybe consider that but um 
right now I can manage it all. My wife helps me with the business side because it's just, if you're ever, if you're out there and you're thinking about doing this, be aware that you're going to spend half of your time reading fucking NDAs and negotiating contracts with clients because it's like, like, uh, in my own studio in my house, it's like, I'm the producer. I'm the, I'm the executive producer. I'm the assistant. I'm you are <laughs> the, the director. Law. I'm the I'm pretty much everything aside yeah. from what my wife contributes, which is a ton with the the business and making sure she, you know, everything's reviewed and I'm okay with things, you know, because she'll break it down to me like with simple simple words, you know, because half the time I really need to be just focused on the creative. It's already so consuming just to try and solve creative problems for the client, you know. So, yeah. And just as a side note, your wife actually wrote the contract, the freelance contract that you posted on your website. Yes, yes, yes. And so, uh, so she's I, awesome. She's very awesome, and and I think it's um, I was really stoked to be able to show that and give that and let it share that with everybody. Um, it was a ton of effort from her. She did a ton of reading. She did a lot of you know research and stuff to get that so that it worked for us and i'm just every, there's been a ton of people so he, what andre's talking about is on my website i try to um have some resources out there so i'm not just like feeding off the network of everybody <laughs> and so on the on the on my website there's a link if you're going to do freelance work you can download this link um to like um, a freelance template which basically will get you engaged in like a contract kind of set up with a client which basically states like hey i'm going to do this this and that you're going to pay me this this and that on this set date we both sign it agree on it and then we're locked in you know you don't want to um i've dealt with many times with shitty people where and it's my own fault um and you don't get a contract between the two of you and it's he said, she said stuff, and you're just wasting your time and effort. So if you're serious about this business, if you really want to be successful about it, you don't have to be an asshole or a conniving dick about it. You just got to you gotta be, you know, upfront and honest and just, you know, be like, hey, this is my time. This is how much it's worth. This is how much I value it. You agree to it or you don't. If you want to work on a compromise, we can do that, you know. It's like it doesn't have to be... Um, one or the or the other, but once you lock that contract in, it's business, and you know you work on you know making sure that you're both in in it to win it basically and do the best that you both can, you know. So, but Absolutely. yeah, business is a whole different category, a whole another thing. It's a whole different box of worms that I've learned this past couple of years. But yeah, but it's important though because I think a lot of people that go into creative fields, it's like, oh, I'm just gonna be creative. And, <laughs> you know, that's gonna be my life 24/7. It's like, okay, that's great. But at the end of the day, you know, bills still need to be paid, and it's a business for your clients, so it should be a business for you as well. And there should be, you know, a happy balance between the two. You should look at yourself and your career as like an automobile. You know, do you would you get in a car that's constantly breaking and you can't trust it? Fuck no. You know, would you take it across the country? No. So look at your life as a a cross-country trip and look at your car as being your career and really think about, like, how you can make it the best machine that you possibly can. You know, I mean, that's how I look at it. Maybe it's it helps me because I'm very, like, I try to just keep things itemized so I can get them out of my head and my thoughts so I can just focus on other things. So it might not be as cut and dry and black and white for most people, but that's kind of how I like to look at it, you know. Like, the success that you want is based off of, like, your own actions, you know, and, and how you deal with these things. Totally. Yeah. 
I totally agree. And actually, the, the cross-country trip is probably the best analogy I've heard for it. I think I might steal that now. Thank you. <laughs> do it. Do it. You know, like I think that there's there's this weird um, thing in the the program or the simulation or the universe or the world or whatever we live in. There's a, there's a lot of similarities, you know, and that's what's funny about like making these little sayings or whatever. It's all fucking connected, you know, and if you can really just get a decent perspective, you can go like, oh, okay, like that's a really stupid thing and i'm not going to do that and this is really cool and that makes sense and this is where i want to go or this guy did that to get here and i really appreciate that i'm going to try that myself but i'm going to try my own twist at it you know so it's like i don't know it's all perspective for me you know and and there's like a lot of relatable laws of the universe i think if you just look at it it's pretty ironic and silly and the the grand scheme of it all yeah lots of talking sorry i need to drink a water <laughs> and how about yourself how did you get into it i mean you've been doing posts for 12 years yeah something crazy like that but you're um, 25 so yes yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I started young yeah damn what got you into doing that and like it sounds like you might have got lost because you're trying to get back into the motion stuff is that what's yeah going on? i mean so when i started um like my first so basically i was always the big geek at school i was never really into the sports and there was a point at school i think it was like grade i want to say grade eight where there's thing at the end of the day called the options program where we could like opt out of sports and you could do something creative. Hmm. And there was a bunch of options. And the one I picked was the film club because it was like, I was already acting as a kid and I kind of didn't like it. I always wanted to take a peek behind the camera. And when I signed up with the film club, it was, you know, my first camera was a Canon GL, which was like their semi-pro camera. And my first edit suite was Final Cut 3. Cool. So they kind of just threw you into, yeah, but they threw you into the deep end with, in terms of the pro stuff. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I, wait, you guys are all on iMovie. I'm on Final Cut. This is awesome. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're learning how to shoot within the context of a film, not just shooting for the sake of shooting. And it was really cool. Yeah. And Did you I, do research and reading and stuff like that? on the Oh subject? yeah. I mean, my, our teacher showed us every film and broke it down. I mean, you know, a two hour film would take 10 hours to get through because he's explaining every shot and oh, really? you know, what, what's the meaning between these cuts and the juxtaposition and you know, the imagery and all that, you know, oh, so, so we're going, kind of a pedig- pedigree, huh? So yeah. what's your experience with that? I'm coming from a totally different perspective and so what is it like having somebody feed you what they think and project for it to be a movie some people have projections that are definitely accurate some people have projections that are just completely biased and opinionated you know so it's really interesting i, I think for me any way that they do project it is interesting because it just gives you another way to look at it you know yeah. i was going from a passive fan of films and just kind of taking them for what they are and then started thinking about not even necessarily you know some of the ideals that you know the film teacher was giving us but you know okay maybe what think about it for myself you know why would they show that on the screen at that moment you know what was what was the reason why they would cut from this scene to the next scene you know just kind of exploring it for yourself and i think that if you start thinking about you know trying to connect the dots on your own that kind of lends a little bit of depth to your own work when you go and finally jump behind the camera and start shooting projects of your own. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't even so much, you know, okay, he's giving me the answer time to, you know, write down exactly what he says. Yeah. It's more just, okay, what are the different angles he's coming at it from? And just trying to find a way to apply it to your own work. Definitely. And then eventually if you do it enough, you know, it'll just kind of be ingrained in you. Well, it's just practice. Yeah. It's practice. And hopefully, you know, you're still hungry enough to 
to explore it a little bit deeper uh, for yourself later on. I think if you're paying attention and you really love it and it's practice, you'll be really good at it. You know? Yeah, totally. It's like anything, though. You know, you can apply that to sports or pro athletes and stuff. And that's the pedigree and that's like the level that you have to take it. You have to look at it like an Olympic athlete would, you know. If you want to be the the best or really good at it, then you have to really respect, you know. I get like, that was like weird. I had like this influential uh, quote. Um, I think it was like Kobe Bryant or something. I can't remember. I'm not into basketball or I don't follow sports at all. But there was this guy, this guy that was talking about training him. And uh, it was interesting conversation because the guy said that that dude would just get up. He would just shoot, I don't know, like 10,000 or something shots a day or something. And he would get up like two hours earlier before everybody and was already like just already working. On the court, working he was already, it, yeah. he was, and he was like, dude, if you want to be the best, you have to do this. You know, like the line of, of insanity that you must reach to in right. order to be competitive you really have to love it or you really have to want it because if it's not for the faint at heart, you know, it's not at all. Same with films, but sorry, I didn't mean to cut in. I just, I was just curious about like your, you know, experience with being taught film and, and have somebody analyze it that is ahead of you in a sense that they understand things a little bit differently, you know? Yeah, no. And I mean, it, it was helpful, but you know, me being the geek that I was, I was more, I was gravitating more towards the uh, the editing side of things. And, you know, I always loved being in front of my computer, whether it was, you know, coding robots as a kid or websites or, hmm. you know, and go, hopping into Final Cut and, you know, editing a project and going crazy with effects and stuff like that. And I found that, you know, the, the tools that he was giving me, looking at a film and, you know, teaching us the shot theory and all that, it really played a part in my editing. Because I find that, you know, as an editor, I'm more of a director than the director. And I know that sounds so pompous and so arrogant. No, that's definitely, that's a very, I mean, it, uh, that's very true, you know. You know, I see the director as the guy who gets a performance on set. Yes. And then, you know, he just hands me a bunch of footage. Okay, yes. great. But I'm the one who makes it into a cohesive movie. That's why editors know? are, they get a lot of credit and they're up really close to the director as far as, you know, priority and, and credit lists and stuff. Because yeah. it's a totally. big job. Yeah. yeah, and I and I I love I love the fact that I had that training from a guy who's you know worked in the industry for years because it's just another like you said before right it's another tool in your toolbox and yeah you know you see what it means and you just kind of work through it and that's kind of how I looked at it absolutely and it is just another tool in the toolbox and 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 to go back and talk about the editing thing uh, that I've learned from it too just my little bit of experience is like it's very much true and it's interesting when. Um, directors don't do it or are on aren't hands-on the entire time i don't know it's it's I've, i i listen to a ton of commentary and some of my favorites are david fincher because he's very transparent about his process and what the fuck he's thinking at the moment that he's watching yeah. his own process and i love that he's very much like he seems to be the dude that's just always there doing the project you know he's yeah. always he seems like he's there for each layer and the one thing that he said was really cool and i just i just felt it recently was that the process of making film is like a like a 20 course meal you know mm -hmm. and you know you have your your thought stage and the writing stage and the building the script and building all those nuances and then you have 
the getting the, the getting the funding, and then and then then you have um, the building up the props or whatever, or building up yeah. the production, and then you have the days of the shoot and the acting and interactions between all that, the craziness of that, and then you take all that amazing footage, and then you have cutting and editing time, and then you have music, and then you have you know. Um, voiceover stuff and then you have all those layers and then you go and release it to um the small group of people and they give you feedback and then you make more cuts and then you release it to the public and then you get to watch people watch it and that whole layer of things and then it never leaves you and then you'll have interview 10 years later and somebody be like hey you know like that one scene with tyler durden blah 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 it's like Yeah. yeah it's it's interesting because it's like this experience that has every element of art in it and it and it's so multi-layered in disciplines that it's really amazing when it comes out good, and it breaks down to humans being c- working together, I think, in a certain way, and pulling the best out of themselves, whether they know it or not. And that's what makes a good director, I think, is is able to pull the best out of each team member, yeah. and 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 exemplify, like expose their strengths, expose their weaknesses, and capitalize on the best that they can for the project. You know. It's really cool. That. It's been that was really... a poetic way of looking at, dude. Like honestly, I'm gonna steal so many of these lines. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the stuff that I mean, I'm I'm just regurgitating kind of the. I mean, I don't know. Not they're obviously not word for word, but these are the yeah. things that I get from all the studying. Because while I'm working and designing, I'm constantly thinking, and and I constantly have like my teachers in my head, which is you know interviews from all these directors and um you know it's just really interesting the commentary for like solaris was really cool with like james cameron i mm-hmm. think is uh soderbergh i think is i think so yeah 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 I, I get him mixed up for some reason but i really love that film and the commentary on that was really interesting as well because he's very much a hands-on guy very much like uh anthony my friend anthony scott burns who's a really wonderful school, uh, filmmaker and uh, I'm just—he's basically my teacher as I'm just learning and watching his process and, and and observing everything that I can, and it's cool that I'm able to collaborate with a guy that's just so ahead of me and what I'm doing, you know. Learning a ton—it's really cool. I think it's really refreshing though that you know, even though you have worked on such big projects, you're you're still really humble and you're still soaking it in, because you know I, I just got to. back from uh, NAB at Vegas. Um, you know, where they're announcing all the new cameras and all that. And, you sure. know, you've got, you've got a mix of industry veterans and heroes and, you know, and some of your, uh, your new fresh blood. And, you know, definitely the egos are kind of crazy over there. And it's great to see someone with, you know, your level of success, you know, as quickly as you've achieved it, you know, still hung, uh, hungry and humble. Well, it's really cool to hear. If, you, if you're not always hungry, you don't always eat. If you don't eat, you die. So you got to be very cautious of, like, how hungry you're going to be and, and, and how much you consume. You don't have to consume a buffet style, you know. You can eat, like, delicately. But the in life, I think, and especially in this career, there's a lot of guys, I think, that switch off, you know, because it's very challenging. It's not easy to come to the fucking plate every day and hit home runs. It's not. Yeah. And you got to be really focused and, and you got to put your practice in. So if you're not hungry, you're not eating, and you die. Really, it's very it's very much the truth of this industry itself. And it's very savage in that way where it's challenging um, and it's relentless. And it's it's I, I realize internally that it's my own, I'm bringing on my own demise. You know, like it doesn't have to be this hard. I could choose to make it easier. But I want to be the best that I can every fucking day, you know. 
And that just comes with a great amount of responsibility. And I'm the only one that says, okay, you've done enough, you know, like you've put enough work in, you earned the right to go to sleep, you know? Right. Yeah. Which is challenging. And I think my wife has to feel the brunt of a lot of that, which is unfortunate because I'm constantly like a diva about it. I'm not, this isn't good enough or, you know, I'm not sleeping enough and I'm just like, off shitty, you know? So, (laughs) so just a balance. I need to work on that. So. Yeah, but I think, though, that at the end of the day, you know, you're only as good as your last gig, right? Well, I and think you're... the last thing that was seen by, you know... Sure, people will judge people. that. Yes, people will judge that. And and that's... I think that is true in certain angles. I think that I always look at... I'm, o- I'm only as good as I am at this exact moment, you know? Like, enough, the yeah. past defines whatever people will judge, you know? Like, I can make... I mean, if, if people want to judge people's films go look at their art as little kids and judge that and be critical about that if you're going to do that you know because i guess i guess it's from what i'm saying is 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 if you're constantly every day hungry and you're going after it um you should be judged by your actions on a daily basis you know and and that's really challenging too because the production time and, and and stuff that we put into these things is challenging because it takes years you know like with off the off title the film the short film we did i mean uh shit i think hector hit me up like six months ago or something to do that Mm -hmm. seven months maybe eight months i can't remember and so it was on my mind uh since then you know so it's been eight months in the working and it's almost done and i never would have thought it would be but it's constantly there until it's until it's done and it's never done it's just we have to release it you know it could always be oh we could push that a little bit further or i can we can make that feel a little bit different you know but it's never done I digress, but <laughs> <laughs> and when's when's that actually getting released? Like end of the month, then end of May. So uh, I fly out to Barcelona next week. I'm gone from the 13th to the 18th, which is fucking killer. So it's, uh, yeah. it's like it's such amazing. I feel like such like a I don't know lucky person to be able to fly around and to talk about the things that I love. I just feel real fortunate. And so I'm flying out there, and then we're releasing it. I think on this Saturday. Uh, the 17th what's really cool is uh hector the guy that runs off he uh he's been obviously i mean he's like hey just do what you want you know what what these are you understand the business and so he he was uh he's been cool and he didn't want to see anything until the day of the show which is awesome so him wow anthony and i are gonna which is cool which i i think is great because it's actually really smart of him to just let us have creative freedom you know we could fuck it up and do whatever or we, or we won't, you know, and I think that there's already enough, like, um, prestige or, like, you know, build up from past um, examples of what it needs to be for us to have a good platform to, to go, like, okay, well, we need to be as good as this or better, you know, so, but that, so at the 17th is when it gets released, so in the morning, we're going to go and do a private screening with us, so I'm really excited about, and then that night, we're going to be releasing to everybody okay. um, at the event, and then, if I have internet and if I can get away from for a minute to do it, I'll I'll throw it up. But I'll probably have to wait until I get back to the states on the 19th to post it up, and so it'd probably be like the 19th or the 20th, one of those days. So All right, I can, expect a tweet from me on the 19th. <laughs> oh, awesome, man! Yeah, I mean, I mean, who knows? Maybe you'll hate it. That's the funny thing too is uh, deep down, I've had many talks with Anthony. I, Anthony, I probably talk every day, and yeah. one of the things is is that we've we're really proud of what we did because of 
it's just us creating what we want, you know, like there's no control, you know, and, and there's a production company topics who helped fund it. And they were very cool about trusting Anthony as well. And, and they're up in, I think they're up in Toronto. Yeah. They're oh. in Toronto. And, uh, they were just, they were really cool. And, and we worked with, um, Henning and Brad and the free fly systems with all that movie and Heli right. fucking dude. Awesome. I can't wait to show you this stuff. It's amazing. And and you wouldn't believe that it's done with the Canon 5d and that's big. Thanks to Kevin Jolson and his wife, Rebecca Jolson, our DOPs on the shoot, which is really killer. Um, but it was a, it was a life changing experience. That's for sure. Um, like I said, I've never really done anything at this level. I did a couple little things here and there, uh, with friends or, um, on a smaller scale or even with prologue, but nothing nearly close to the extent of this, which is like idea creating this story. Cause I had this weird dream flying back home from Berlin and it had these weird things that happened and I wrote them all down and I sent them to Anthony. It went into Anthony's brain and Anthony's amazing brain spat out some shit and we kept going back <laughs> and forth for like two months just casually talking on the phone. Yeah. And then it built into a script which Anthony wrote and then we went from there and uh, everything kind of just fell into place which is fucking never happens and it was just like amazing that it did. And it's just like one of the really amazing examples I really wanted to, to state and I'll probably bring it up a couple of times especially at off is that we uh, in the dream I had there's this floating you're just floating and you're, you're going down into this like you're descending into the trees and uh the only way to do that, there's a couple ways and they're very expensive. And there's one way that to do it that's modern and new that's wouldn't kill us because we have no budget really. We have very no, nothing to spend because it's, it's all like just passion. And so uh, there's a guy named Henning Sandstrom who lives in, I think, Sweden, I think. And I apologize if I'm wrong. He's the nicest dude. Um, and we hit him up and it turned out he was going to be in North Bend, our Washington area which is where we wanted to film this originally. It was all in our heads that we wanted it to be in the woods. Um, he was going to be there exactly at the time that we needed to be there as well. And, and, uh, he said, I'm down and free fly is down to do it. And we're down to be a part of this and to help with it, you know? And, and, uh, it was just amazing to have that resource. It takes the production value up 20 notches, you know? And, and what's really cool is that it's not like we use that as the mechanism to make this thing amazing. We used it as a storytelling device, as a tool, and it's not the main feature of the thing. It's, 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 it helps you get in the mood and the feel, but it's not the whole thing, which is killer as well. It's not like we are like, okay, we just need this really great footage and that's it. It's like, no, that's, that's just the start of it. We need a narrative and a very, very abstract thing for people to get their heads around and think, you know, about and stuff. So, but that was one of the examples. I mean, a dude from all the way in Sweden was going to uh, magically be in this area and was going to give us his time, you yeah. know, his skills. And it was just really amazing. It was really amazing getting to, to know him as well. And everybody on the team it was a very small team, but it's just like, Everybody put 110% in, and they all knew they were part of something special, and we were all working collaboratively and positively to get the best out of what we could, you know. And the only thing that really fucked us was the weather kept changing, so the 5D doesn't have the best dynamic range, so right. to keep it really consistent was a bitch because the sun would fucking pop out, and then it would fucking rain, and, it, and it's like all over okay. the place. If, we're just if like if you're doing that with a red, the camera would just die in the rain. So yeah, you're 
yeah with the 5d <laughs> yeah oh absolutely the 5d is so amazing we just throw it on the movie rig and we yeah. wouldn't have to lay track or anything like that and we could just have a dude walking through the trees and we just kind of we can have the operator and the focus puller and then you have uh the dude that's holding the movie and it's like you have this amazing dolly shot you how, know? how amazing was it working with the movie uh it's a really amazing tool uh you know like a little plug to them i mean they they make a great tool really you know it's like like the most important thing that i've started to learn and the things i've learned from anthony especially and all the all my teachers all the film directors and stuff is on a movie set or a film set or whatever it is the time is the biggest factor of how you're going to get whatever you're going to get and so this tool cuts down time that's wasted in getting things ready it just you just put the fucking camera on it and you go and it saves you time and therefore you can get more takes you can get more shots and then you have more to play with when it comes time to edit which is like the best thing ever you know so it was a really awesome tool um kevin and his wife really embraced it and they were we had a lot of fun with that as well i think that was one of the first times they were using it too, um, they let us have it for one night when we were, had to do some hotel shots, which was really rad. And then, um, but our camera operator Brad, uh, our actually the the heli and movie operator Brad, and then uh, Henning as well as a movie and camera operator. So they both handled it as well. But it was just it was really amazing. It's it's the future of this kind of stuff, you know, the Black Magic camera, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's what we really wanted to use, but we just they wouldn't let us have one. We were trying to be like, hey, we'll, we'll give you the footage. Can you just let us use the camera? Because we wanted that 4K like look, you know. Yeah. But um, we opted with the five. 5d because we just knew that we only had it was like a four-day shoot and we had to yeah. get like shit ton of, of coverage so we're yeah. like banging fuck. out with the easiest camera possible yeah but that you know awesome. I, I challenge anybody to look at this footage and, and tell me it doesn't look like uh it tell me it doesn't it looks like the 5d i, I you know i yeah. i'm i'm I challenge that because I think we've we've put as as much love and, and care into getting it to where it needs to be um, to make it so it's it's not and, and our color grader out and uh, I think he's in Belgium he's doing it right now we're we're doing a lot of collaborative getting it all done but Augustine is out there working on it right now and getting the grading and, and pulling out the most that we can with out of the footage without breaking the footage you know so right yeah. But like I said, it's that multi-layer experience, you know? If I'm drawing something at home, it's just me and the, the computer, and it's a cool relationship, but it's just me. But when I'm out there, when we're doing the filming and all that stuff, and, and I'm collaborating with Anthony, and we're just talking about shots and setups, and, and then I, and then we call in action, and we're it's like it's like watching it's like a kid it's like i'm watching my toys move around it's like the right. most amazing experience you know you say a word and all this action happens and it's just like it's really it's really interesting you know it's a very interesting dynamic just uh, being on location and doing it in general and and all the happy accidents and and the and, and personalities and, and seeing people's faces come out behind the glass it's just really interesting you know are we going to uh, get a behind the scenes on the uh on the project once it's uh, once it's online. Yeah, yeah. So um, we had so Rebecca, uh, Kevin's wife, our DOP. She was awesome enough to she had a 5D with her as well. And we went, when we weren't using that, I think to shoot footage, we were she was shooting a ton of behind the scenes. So we have a ton of really cool. amazing stills. And then Howard, um, who also 
uh, flew out on his own dime and stayed on a freaking little shitty cot in one of the rooms with Anthony and Nick, our producer. Uh, he was just, uh, he, he, he had his own 5D and he was shooting a bunch of footage and he put together a cool little, uh, like, fun behind the scenes of just a random a lot of random moments and stuff and and i think what people might see from this is that um film sets and stuff don't have to be like this really shitty experience where it's just like a bunch of people being assholes and uptight and stuff there's definitely moments where it's very intense and we know it's we have to focus on getting the shot and and but but for the most part you can it was a, a, a fucking ton of fun and i like when we left i told anthony and we and we were sitting at uh, dinner with uh, Anthony and the DOP, uh, Kevin and Rebecca, and we were just talking about, you know, the process and the whole thing and our experience, and we all agreed, like, this is definitely, like, one of our best work from all of us, and we're really proud of it, and just saying that, um, can't wait to get back to do it again, you know, it's just, like, this That's cool. powerful experience, all this energy culminates to four days, and it's weird seeing, like, my dream that I had, like in manifested in this thing i was like oh my god that's the fucking dude and like this is you know this is crazy this is actually happening like you know when we're kids like i said we're sitting around drawing digging around drawing on paper and then all of a sudden we're like in north bend washington with some strangers and a couple friends and we're just like i don't know what the fuck we're doing it's really weird you know <laughs> like it's just it's like weird kind of just come together and it does make something cool yes absolutely and it's you know just based off of your own steam and how much you want to do it and how hard you're willing to try. And thanks to Craigslist and all these different things, you know, and, <laughs> and reaching out to getting the right talent and, 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 you know, it always comes back to Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> the beginning, the creation of life is Craigslist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know Craigslist was a, it was a fun thing. It was a, not a fun thing actually. It's just a very interesting thing to try and yeah. get extra actors and, this and that so it was a it was interesting but i you know trying to do trying to do films at this level and speed back when like even when spielberg was starting out it's like really challenging if you don't have all these utilized tools of the network of the internet and uh combine you know like henning being there in north bend for us to to relate that and, and to set that up that would have been like a long distance telephone call you know yeah. and like hey wow you know blah 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 like we do we can do it so quickly now it's just really amazing you know but yeah the experience like i said it was really profound and amazing and it really opened my eyes to exactly what i really would like to do more with my time so i'm writing a movie right now anthony and i are writing tons of stuff actually he he's a like a machine a story um but yeah we're writing quite a few things right now so just trying to get back out there and making more stuff so just need to find somebody that's rich enough and silly enough to give us some cash (laughs) but yeah we'll make some cool stuff you know so that's really cool no and i mean i was going to ask you earlier about you know taking on personal projects but it seems like you're able to take this you know gigs like this and really make them your own which is really cool Yes. I find that like a lot of creative people, you know, I was talking about this with G-Monk last week, you know, it's like a lot of creative people, you know, they do the gigs that pay the bills. They don't really necessarily, you know, get to follow their own creative ambitions. And it seems like you have this really great kind of balance of, yeah, I've got these awesome gigs, but I'm also able to pursue these personal projects that really fulfill me. Yes. And, sh- and like, you know, are great examples of what it is that I can do and what the team can do. Yeah, it's a choice of whether you want to sleep more or, you know, not. You know, so it's like not everybody wants that life. 
however you want, wants to choose that. So, I mean, I've, obviously I have to pay the bills. I have plenty of clients and working paying jobs. But on top of that, I have to have my passion projects because, you know, it's, it's as nice it is, as it is to design somebody's title sequence or to design the user interface for their film or whatever to solve their problems. It's, it's fun. I enjoy it. But it's surface level for me where, I mean, when I'm doing it, I'm all in, right? So I'm not trying to diminish my energy on these things. I enjoy it to what it is. But at the end of the day, I go, how did this get me to where I need to go? And it's not always clear. And sometimes, you know, like like I said, like just doing the Total Recall thing and, and taking that on, I was doing Total Recall while I was doing Ender's Game. It was like a suicide mission because it was like 100-hour weeks, just ridiculous to get the work done. But doing that work got my got Anthony's attention. Anthony reached out to me, and that's how we have our joint collaboration. Off would would have maybe happened without it, but I couldn't never have done it. Near, not even nearly. You would never see even close to the same thing that we have um, had not and not had collaboration with Anthony. Anthony's right. such a big, huge, important role in this. He's done so much to contribute with this, you know. So. Um, so you never, it's like, you never know where these things are going to get, take you. And so what I'm saying is that passion projects are a huge, huge, important thing to do. I off as a passion project didn't get paid anything for it. I'm just getting flown out to Barcelona and I get to meet all these amazing people. It's worth its weight in gold because of that experience, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's worth it to me to, to kill myself for it. Everything you're going to do, no matter what, if you're going to do it good, you're going to bleed for it. It's going to take a ton of work. It's going to take a ton of effort. So you should do it for the things that you really feel that in your soul is the most important thing for you to do. So, and that's definitely it. And, and, and the ghost in the shell thing is a, is a whole different fucking bag of worms that I've been working on for a, about a year. And that's a whole different experience. And that's something that's just drained me dry many days where I'm just like, I don't know how much more I can put into it. And it just, yet I keep putting into it. Shit, and man. So, I'm, I'm, I'm getting kind of pissed off with like the teasing because I'm a huge Ghost in the Shell fan. <laughs> and so I'm just like, because I saw the posters, I was like, okay, maybe there's more to it. Maybe there's not. And you're telling me that there is a lot more to it. I'm like, fuck, now I just want to see it. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I want to show it to you. You know, like I'm excited. And, and I don't, there's, there's a part of me that um, I really respect kind of like, even like guys like Christopher Nolan, like when he was doing Inception, like a movie that big, there was still a, a curiosity, a tease to it, you know? And and part of that, like Tool, the band Tool is really good about that. They used to be really mystique and they wouldn't show you or talk to you about a lot of stuff. They just let you project what you think it is, you know? And then eventually yeah. you're just like, oh, they're all like Satan worshippers or something, you know, because people don't understand it and they just project their own thoughts on it, you know? Yeah. So I like to lead things up because that's part of the fun for for me, you know, because um, I, I, if I can go in your head and I can own some real estate, which is a memory, then I can have a piece of your mind, basically. So if I can go yeah. into your head and you have a thought in your head that's a memory or, or, or something. So if you go and watch off or whatever and it makes you think something, I've owned a piece of your time and I've also owned a piece of your mind real estate. And to me, that's really interesting. Just as like a visual communicator, I just find that fascinating. And the more that I can kind of work on building that curiosity and projecting, you know, maybe I might shoot myself in the foot and you might be like, this isn't anything or this, or you can go like, that's pretty fucking amazing, you yeah. know? So I don't know how people will take it, but I'm hoping it might be positive. I can't tell. I hope that the original right holders don't try to sue me or 
fucking go after me so it's like all fan made stuff so it should right. be interesting so <laughs> but i and can't maybe, control people's actions so and maybe it'll lead to a uh, a cure project if you know who knows you know like to me completely to be completely honest as a huge fan of these things these products these franchises this stuff um these these projects in general um i don't think that they translate to film as well um because they're already so perfect right right it's like it's like taking this competing with the memory almost you're competing with memory exactly so um it's almost like better when people like the wachowski brothers take ghost and shell and just change it a little bit you know because that's really what ghost in the matrix is it's yeah it's it's like combining um world on a wire with ghost in the shell and a couple other things and 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 adding that hollywood twist and flair with all the extra special effects that you just don't get in that anywhere else you know based on the production value so like it's almost like i appreciate that because it, it becomes its own thing but it's obviously they have a ton of muse that they pull from ghost in the shell you know yeah so but ghost in the shell itself translatable into film it'd be very challenging and and if you're gonna do it right it's like just my experience this project is paying homage and doing paying respect to the original guys the director of the anime all the crew that worked on it and then the original creator um shiro stuff too so it's like it's really challenging to meet all those criterias and yet translate it into film where it needs to be so it's like it's it's like you're competing with a memory exactly and a memory it's just like a book you know so like people will say i read the book to this movie the book is better of course right. it is because your brain is way more powerful you're going to see something totally different yeah. than what this director is going to present to you you know maybe that actor on that day was feeling sick or he broke up with his girlfriend he looks like shit he doesn't right. he's not pulling off that line that when you read it in the book was fucking amazing you know yeah so it's just there's all these anomalies that happen but at the end of it, I think if you can just put your soul into this stuff, if you really put yourself into it, no matter what, at the end of the day, if you say, I put my honest, hard effort into this, um, I think people will respond to that. Positive or negative, but mostly positive, I think. That's been my experience, you know. So, But I really can't wait to show you. I think uh, it's really interesting. I think it's one of those next-level fan things. It's just like... I don't know. It's yeah. I don't know if I don't know if our podcast is going to come out before we can, so I can talk about it. Right. No. But because I don't want to talk about too many details or go into too many juicy bits, and and uh, I was thinking about maybe having some of the some of the teammates on the podcast and just kind of shooting the shit about the project and just in general creating the content and then also right. like the translation between you know anime and then this and then our thoughts on the film because i apparently uh rupert saunders is, is set to direct it that's what i've heard but it, oh, um, shit. but and i don't know it's to me it's like very concerning because like you gotta be in a totally i don't know like the stuff that i've seen from him is is cool but it it, it it's ghost in the shell to me is very intellectual yes it's very philosophical and it's 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 a very slow film it's at certain times and it's yeah. and that's that's Oshi's style, I think, and he's really good at that really powerful dialogue that has so much depth to it, yet yeah. it's so simple. And yeah, there's so, a weight to it. So there might be a surface level American version that's just going to bastardize it, and I'm really concerned about that. Which is, you know, obviously, it's you know, you got guns and cybernetics and all this stuff, and 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 the ideas of these things, the themes are, are so broad and they're so big that people can easily get lost in let's just put some leather on her and have her flying around in wires. It's like, ah, you know, so I don't yeah. know. I, but I don't want to talk 
bad about something that there's not even it doesn't exist but it's a very challenging project you know and personally i don't know if i'd ever want to ever take on something as big as something like that you know or to do anything like that i would like to use the things that i love about it and and bring it to a whole different world and a whole different light you know like combine like a david lynch with ghost in the shell what would that look right. like you know like take two different worlds combine them you know and take your favorite parts and inspiration yeah. from each and then take something take something your own soul new. yeah take yeah. your own soul and put your own stuff into it you know and that's really that's when you're starting to make some really stuck cool stuff because you know it's already been said and it's noted that there's nothing original anymore we've all we've created everything there the, the originality comes from transformation i think yeah. and how you're able to transform it you know like and it's interesting, and it's interesting to see where films and movies they are at, at, in this day and age, and where technology is going, and, and, and how I, I perceive and f- view films. I think films are are di- dying art almost in a sense, and they're 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 getting more specialized and niche, where it's like almost like films that I grew up on, like the Spielberg block, blockbusters of George Lucas, like mm-hmm. those don't exist really anymore. I think you know, like that ter- ter- territory is already tapped. I think that film is going to turn into like the broadway musical you know like they're, they're it's never going to go away it's not like books I mean, books the same thing you know like people have the nook and the ipad and all that stuff and computers but still books are very much part of our lives they're just not the set thing and i think the nest into the next experience is going to come from a whole different way of consuming products it's going to be a whole different immersive more interactive way of of film interpretation and stuff so it's, it's a whole different way of of conveying ideas and, and concepts and stuff and i hope to be on the verge of that because it's a really fun avenue of the industry you know so yeah trippy that shit kind of, that almost created a brand new industry in a lot of ways well you i know, think what you're, yeah. what you're saying is kind of like at the intersection almost of like vr and games with a really strong narrative element yeah exactly you know like i think nolan uh, was saying that he i think inception was originally or i mean he'd, he had been working on it, i think for like 10 years or something before he was able to get the funding and make the movie and it was released and blah 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 but i think it was originally like he was going to make the game so imagine having not a game like you know like uh, the games we have now but imagine imagine having like this ethereal immersive experience where you plug into and you live out this world but it's not like the video game stuff it's it's deeper you have more there's more intuition. There's more interaction. There's a there's a game out. I think that's coming out. It's Alien Isolation. I'm super curious. Yes. I'm super excited. Yes. I can't. I can't wait. I'm that's just a midnight launch for me. Exactly. And I'm not a game guy, which is crazy. I'm more of a. I like the feeling of things, you know. And so yeah. when I watch that, I'm a big Alien fan. So I watch that. I'm like, these guys fucking got it. They get it. I don't want to go and just shoot a bunch of aliens. I mean, yeah, that's fun. But it's surface level shit. You get over it. It's like masturbation. You get done with it. You're just done with it. You know, like. But the the experience that I'm exp- I'm hoping to have from this is like, f- fucking scared out of my mind. I want to put. I want to. I want an Oculus Rift. I'm on my eyes, and I want headphones on my ears, and I want to go through the space station and trying to survive against an artificial intelligent program that's the alien. I think that is on the edge of what the experience of things are going to be. It's not going to be this like one-sided narrative where it's like, Hey, once upon a time, there was a guy named Luke Skywalker and stuff. And that, <laughs> that's fucking cool, but it's very much the, 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 the musical of our day, you know, like yeah. it's, that's my perception though. And, and I could be completely wrong. Um, 
but I that's just looking at it from the best perspective that I can. My little baby involvement and to where I think it's going, you know, and, and where where I see wanting to be a part of it and how I can help bring it there, that's where I think it's going, you know. So, yeah, it's a, it's a trip, you know, and it's up to people that, you know, if the people want it or not, you know. I'm, I'm really curious to see how successful they do with Alien Isolation. I think if they do it right, that's a whole different ballpark you'd imagine a, a whole yeah. world created by ridley scott and a team of like dudes like mobius and shit i mean fuck dude that'd be amazing you know yeah i think i think their biggest issue is getting over the expectations from the last alien game that came out but what they're setting up though like i've seen every developer interview that they've done and i've seen the trailers and yeah. it is fucking legitimately scary yeah that's what you want like, right you are yeah. being stalked yes they, exactly. it is a true ai it knows its place in the world its place is to hunt you yeah. and there's nothing pre-scripted and i think I think that is the next level, and I and I hope it does well, so other people can see the financial viability of pursuing projects like that. Absolutely, you know, and like Facebook just got bought by uh, our uh, Oculus. Oculus just got, just got bought by Facebook. They yeah. have money now. They have yeah. They have deep pockets. They can go and we can make stuff, technology that can get us to that level of experience. And at the end of the day, it's about what the consumer wants, myself in general, and what I want, and then projecting that into what a possible experience would be for other people. Not everybody's going to want to be scared to death, you know? Like, that's very... There's a very few weird group weird group of people like myself that enjoy that kind of shit. But there are some people that are going to really embrace that. And it doesn't have to always be that. It can be a whole different genre of things, you know? And I don't even want to get into it. I mean, just wait till they tap into the whole porn thing. It's going to be ridiculous, you know? It's going to be like this whole fucked up thing that happens to civilization is going to be like this weird break in this civilization <laughs> you ever watch that show black mirror no i've heard of it though yeah i bring it up a lot you should watch it it's got yeah. um it's 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 a bit it has a bit of a preachy con uh, tone to it based off of like um the writer's um opinion on technology its influences on us and this and that kind of like a telltale sign of the possibilities of the future if, if we're not careful but it's so well written it's like a contemporary twilight zone it's really cool i recommend it to everybody and everybody that i told to watch it just like flips out and loves it so i think that it's definitely on the lines of stuff that you enjoy as well and i would definitely check it out so cool. it's like it's it's hard to come upon come upon really good stuff these days i feel like there's there's a lot of really great stuff out there but the stuff that really shines for me is is uh uh, that's definitely one of them. That show Utopia is pretty cool too. It's both from the same like channel out in the UK, I think. So, okay. content cool. creators out there and doing a good job. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll download it legally this evening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will see if it's on iTunes. <laughs> Do it. Yeah, I think it might be. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's really good. But yeah, who knows, man? And you know, I think that as people out there are listening or contributors, whether you want to learn like ZBrush or you want to be uh, creating your own concepts and thoughts or a director or film, or you want to just shoot film or whatever it is, just be aware of where this stuff's going. Don't just think it's going to be the same. It's not, it's absolutely not. It's going to change. It's going to flip. It's going to flip itself over on top of you and, and kick you in the ass. If you think that the change is inevitable, the industry is constantly shifting and changing. It's getting faster. Um, not well, always it's getting cheaper too. It's and a, more accessible for people. Yeah, yeah. And that's a good and a bad thing. Um, you know, like, uh, there's been a constant thing that I've been fighting with that it's, like, kind of annoying is, like, 
like a studio hit me up and say, Hey, we need this, this and that the client's only given us like four weeks to do something that should take six months. And I'm like, dude, you guys are fucked. Like that's not, you guys are breaking the bounds of like what's possible to make good. You know, like if you guys are working every day, all day around the clock, still it's not going to be good because everybody's going to be burnt out and tired of it. And it's not going to be right. You know, like you need to have people with breaks and stuff. So there's a, tr- there's a certain level, but what you're saying is like people like myself and Anthony able to go, Hey, let's grab a red or let's grab a five D and let's go make this film and yeah. go out there and do this. And let's use the movie. Let's use the heli, you know, like that's cool because yeah. that allows for more people to be expressive. I think there was this really great quote that I love that, um, uh, Coppola said, I brought it up a couple times, but he says it at the end of this, uh, um, shit, why don't I draw in a fucking blank? It's, uh, at the end of, um, Apocalypse Now, there was a film that his wife made about him. I brought it up on the podcast. I'm sorry, but at the end of the thing, he says, it's something like, you know, someday a little girl is going to grab her dad's camera and go make a film out in the middle of nowhere. And that's going to be the art. He's, you know, he's basically saying it's not about all this like emails or calls and, and scripts and rewrites and all this. It's just about doing it, about making yeah. it honestly with in, in, uh, with integrity of just being honest and creating in the most honest sense, you know. And yeah, because it can be very challenging. Uh, you can easily get lost if you don't have your intention. And that's where I think a lot of films are nowadays. They just feel like lost in the technology and lost in the gimmicks. Yes. Well, it's just like, well, this scene isn't working. Throw some fucking lens flare on it. It's like, ah, you know, or like this scene isn't working. Get Hans Zimmer to do the score because it's (laughs) it's like, well, okay, well, if you can't get me like with your story, then the the music's going to push me and your visuals are fucking beautiful. Like your DOP knows what he's doing, you know? So like it's, it's, so it's like, but I think that managing these projects are so big and they're so massive. It's really challenging, you know? And, and so I think that to really create good art, it's, it's not easy. Nobody really knows, you know, it's like you just go out and do it and you just wish and hope for the best and you have the best intention, I think, you know, none of these guys, I think in general are like, let's go out and make the shittiest movie ever, you know, like, (laughs) unless you're Uwe Boll. Sure, sure. Yeah, but you know, like, I mean, okay, so I shouldn't say never, but for most most of the time, people are, have good intentions, you know? Like, yeah. when when guys are going out to create their own content, they're like, I'm going to go make really shitty stuff. It's like, I want to make something that's cool, you know, that I appreciate or, you know, like, when I draw, it's like, I'm just trying to get, like, that idea out of my head, you know, or I'm just trying to release that thought. And yeah. it's just fun. It's fun to me because of that. But when it becomes beyond that, it's like it's work and it becomes tedious and it becomes monotony. And and that's when I have to try and dig deep to find, you know, a happier spot for my mind to be so I can finish it. Yeah, but I think it's a combination of that, though, and surrounding yourself with great people and great team that, you know, push you and inspire you as well. Because, you know, you can only ever bring so much to a project. You know, a project is bigger than any one person, right? I don't care if you're the director or the writer. Oh, yeah. You know, you have to have that amazing team of people that push each other and that riff off each other. It's like jazz, right? Oh, totally, man. And if you're riffing with them properly and if you guys are harmoniously, and that's what I'm saying, it's a people business, you know? And that's what was, like, really fucked up about the whole Life of Pi thing. 
um, <laughs> all the people. Yes. It was a people business, and it was like, hey, 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 all you people, here's a bunch of shit in your face, you know? It's like, but it's also bad business. It's like, what's that business doing doing that, you know? So it's, everybody's guilty on that one. It's not like, hey, you guys, you know, bad, did something bad. It's like, you guys all kind of did bad, you know? Like, there's not, there's there's plenty of fingers to be pointed at in both directions, I think, you know, in my opinion. I don't know the total details of it. I just feel bad for the people that put their heart and soul into that because that film looked fucking pretty killer, man, like yeah. for the, the amount of work that they put in. It's amazing CG. You can never get that level. And it's such a funny thing that people don't aren't aware of it. Like, didn't the, the DOP get a, like a, a fucking award or something yeah, like Oscar. that? Yeah, <laughs> It's so funny because if you look at the before and after shots, I mean, fuck, maybe I could go shoot that film. You know, it's like, yeah. hey, put that light over there. And and, and, <laughs> and all the post work is really where all the beauty comes out. You know, it's and just... And meanwhile, all those guys were on the street across the street. Yeah. You know, during the Oscars with signs out saying, hey, we all, you know, lost our job. Doesn't that tell you something though? Isn't that just like it's like atrophy of the system? It's like it's fucked. It's like people really need to start respecting themselves a little bit better, you know? Like if you don't if you want more respect, then get it. Don't just be like, yeah, I'll do this and that and then I'll, I'll work for this and it's just fucked, dude. It's like there's so much competitive in uh, there's the the, the industry is so saturated with people, you know, and it's just like becomes this weird monster. And I think if everybody was just trying to make work and they weren't trying to make millions of dollars. There's this weird thing too. I feel with movies, people are like, Oh, you're rich. Are you making millions? It's like, no, like far from it. It's not like it's industry pays like uh, fucking trillions of dollars, you know, like you can make as much as a lawyer if you wanted to, if you're really good at it, uh, a, a decent lawyer too. But, um, there's a lot of people I think that get caught up with making money and they create a business, they create an industry, they create this, this monster and they have to keep it going and it just implodes on itself because you're basically gambling, you know, like yeah. when you're when you're putting this money and stuff because when you, if you look at the business of movies it's really fucked and it's based off of like kind of like gambling like i said you're gambling that this guy is going to come through with all these things that he said and we're going to put all these millions of dollars into it and we're hoping for a return and that's why movies that we have now are so safe because it's really you know who wants to take a 300 million dollar uh risk yeah and when you eat the bullet like uh john carter i mean you're fucked and if you don't have deep pockets like disney where it's just like a fart in the wind for them. It's like you're yeah. totally screwed. You know, if you're a smaller production house or you're a company it, that's on a It's funny that you mentioned that movie, though, because I saw it a year ago. John Carter? I haven't John seen Carter. it yet. No, I it was seen it. so well done. Really? I was I was in shock. It could have been, you know, for a kid that saw it, if they saw it in the theaters, yeah. they hadn't seen Star Wars, it could have been their Star Wars. That's awesome. That's what, that's what the so intention well was. Yeah, that's what yeah. the intention was. And um, I remember, though, like when after I watched it, I was like, oh the trailers didn't show me any of the cool shit. Like I, it, what I thought it was from the trailer was completely contrary to what the movie actually was. How dare I was they? Like, <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, they totally fucked up the marketing and it could have been a real thing. It could have been, you know, a franchise. It could have been something great. And now, you know, now we're talking about it in retrospect. It's like, ah, oh, fuck. Remember that John Carter? <laughs> yeah. Well, cause John Carter was the case example that like you spend 300 million, you might yeah. not get it back and you're going to yeah. lose big time. You go for broke at the casino and the, the house always wins. And the problem with films is you don't know 
what's going to kick or not, you know? Like, because I was just re-watching Inception just because I study it, and I was just, like, kind of tripping out on the story again because I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> There's, it's, it's a very interesting film, and it's a very challenging film for that dude to make and to write and create and, and try to bring all these things. He has multiple genres going on. It's like five movies in one. <laughs> And, uh, cool. but I was looking at it and I was, I always look at the budgets too. And I go like, okay, well he got a hundred million, I think to make it, which is pretty amazing. And, uh, and I think he, I think the, the net gain from the film that they were able to get back was like 600 and like 80 mil or something like that. So the return was amazing on it. And there's a lot of films like that too, but you'd never know, you know, you'd never know. They could be like, this is Nolan's big flop, you know? And yeah. And you never know if it's going to be good or not. For sometimes, you know, like for him, he's a bit of a golden boy. Like he he, he made um, the Prestige, which I love that film. Yes, I love I the saw story. That in theaters, I loved it. Ah, it's a fucking great film, man. It's a great flick. I really enjoy that ride. You know, it's 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 well put together. But that comes from a book too. You know, I think it was yeah. originally a book. But the adaptation was phenomenal. It was so well handled and done and put together and and and, and uh, but the re- the risk and reward on that was was really good too. So he's able to you know spin it around and turn it and turn it into something else you know. So, but um, it's just it's just a huge gamble. It really is you know. And people, it's a it's a trust game. It's a huge gamble. And when you have trust and art and involved in the same thing, you're gonna make mediocre shit. You really are. It's it's really challenging. There's a design by committee. Everybody and their mom wants their opinion on it, and uh, it becomes this big like gray mush, you know. And, and films that I grew up on that I really love and still find fascinating and just silly and crazy that it, that they got made. Like an example is like I was watching Highlander last night while I was working. <laughs> it's like it's so primal and so crazy and. Like I don't see a movie like that getting made nowadays. I just I don't I don't see the people taking the risk to do a film like that. So it's like I want to make a film like that. So how can I do that? And I'm trying to look towards like is it possible to do crowdsourcing and how can you do that? Like hey everybody like give us 20 bucks each and if we can get, we can reach this amount then we can get this film made. And you get the film and you also get like fucking cool poster or t-shirt or something is that the future of making films you know films that are risky enough or films that are good you know i think uh, some of the other directors were doing that um with kickstarter and stuff or using indiegogo and stuff to, to create yeah. products like that you know so yeah i mean for for kickstarter and like you know crowdfunding and all that i'm i'm cool with like smaller indie guys doing it it kind of scares the shit out of me though when you have a spike lee doing it and then you know yeah. screwing over artists <laughs> You know, I oh think yeah, how point. was that, huh? That was, man. He could the guy couldn't have just put his foot in his mouth like faster and just kept yeah. chewing on his own freaking mouth. But I don't know, like it's it's hard. You know, you get these uh, these one sided relations with Twitter. You know, and and yeah. when, when that whole event happened, I was just like, dude, really? Like, man, like what the fuck? But I it was never like a. I'm not like a huge fan of his. So like his work in general, I'm not like oh, you know, like was put down. I was just like, see, dude. I was, and I was totally heartbreaking to see that. Yeah, well, you know, it, that's the funny thing is, you know, you you lift the curtain and you meet the wizard. You realize the wizard's a fucking asshole, and you're like, eh, yeah. I should close that curtain and just keep my my imagination of what this person is. You know, not everybody in this business are are out to make friends or to be cool. Some of these guys somehow make it by being dicks, you know, yeah. and 
an opposite of the spectrum like a guy Guillermo de Toro you know like yes love him one of the nicest dudes and I'll go watch his films because they're just fun and they're silly and they're popcorn films you know like I can't take them serious I can't relate them to anything else if I just want to go and be entertained and be like that was fun it's like watching two robots and a monster like it's totally illogical the story is all over the place but I'm just like this is just fun because it looks cool and it's just it's it's like being a kid, you know. If I was a kid growing up and watching these, I get to bang like, out an awesome poster for it. There you go, and and it was so cool. Like his reaction with me um, through just through email was just so positive. He was just like, "Oh my fucking god, yes!" You know, like it was always like, "This fucking this is great." He's always very positive and supportive of the of the poster. You're referring to the Mondo thing that I yes. did for Pacific Rim, which was it was it was a ton of work. It was a lot of fun. Um, it was just cool to do that to open up that whole spectrum of like illustration and stuff so the mondo thing has been really cool big things for that too this comic this coming this comic con too i hope to be there with another big sick poster really a lot of fun yeah i'm super pumped on that so yeah i can't wait to get back from barcelona and start working on it so i'm super pumped you, are you allowed to say what it is or no i don't think so because it's not totally like the the it's not totally official and signed off which is unfortunate okay. that's another bitch about this industry and i get it but it's just part of it you know it's like timing you know the essence yeah. of timing and releasing things at the right time and stuff so but yeah so hopefully i'll be there at comic-con are you gonna go i've been dying to go for years i still have never gone oh it's crazy uh, but yeah i, w- I want to make a trip down and do it you should well, i've said it like, i think the best analogy that i've come up with is like it's like being on the internet without any ad blockers but you're in there in the person like in physical so you smell yeah. all the farts and you see all the zits <laughs> and you feel all the sweat and you see all the comics, and you see all the madness, and you see all the talent, and you see all the fucking weirdos. But yeah. it's all at once. So all those words just happening at once, and you're and you're trying to decide what the fuck, you know. So for me, I get like overwhelmed, and I'm just like, oh fuck, you know. Some people love it. For me, I I have to go in like stages, and right. go and and go see it, and then take a break, and then go back and see it. Yeah have some friends that go like every year and they're really into it and it's it's a really interesting culmination of people and sometimes it could be soul crushing sometimes it could be really cool yeah but, uh, we, we, we've got our own version of it uh up here in canada it's called fan expo i've heard about that yeah and so it's, is it's, it big it's as big as you're gonna get in canada okay <laughs> so it's still on a different scale to the u.s but, we go uh, really big in the u.s with this shit yeah yeah. Nerds. You guys have you know, have live streams and every celebrity in the world kinda makes an appearance. It's really uh, weird that there's so much celebrities. It was like when I first started going it was it was very small, it was and a lot of nerds and just kinda like the art and then the yeah. nerds and then, then some smarter people were like, Hey, let's uh smarter or just people trying to capitalize on the the event they're like hey let's put a bunch of fucking movie stuff into this let's combine this and you know once marvel started getting acquired by films it was like it was the end of the day and then it was like weird there was a couple years where it's like hey let's put the porn industry in here and it's like what the fuck there was like porn stars and like fucking all that kind of shit happening i was like what the hell is going on here but um i would definitely recommend they're trying to cash in on the nerds oh well everybody needs to masturbate you know so (laughs) it'll make sense they're just trying to cash in it's like yeah let's get these guys to buy our porn while we're here too so nah but it's it's cool there's a lot of it's a cool experience it's very trippy and overwhelming and interesting and it's cool to meet people there um i met a lot of really cool artists there met some of my favorite i met uh, mignola and jeff darrow 
last year they're sitting at the same freaking table and it was fucking cool i got to chat with jeff for a while and that was just awesome i've been trying to get him on the podcast but he's too shy so mm-hmm. it won't happen and someday i'll have my wish and i'll get uh mike mignola on too so that'd be awesome that would be awesome because the guy's got to be one of my favorites uh yeah and just the illustration and style design sense and stuff because he's got tons of it him and M- miller have a really good design sense yeah which is killer but speaking yeah. of miller are you gonna are you looking forward to sin city too or no yeah, I mean, I I really love I love Sin City as a graphic novel. Just the visuals itself and the story is a lot of fun. It's crazy and it's very it's very Miller. You know, it's very much him, which is I appreciate because I love artists that are like you either love it or you hate it, and I enjoy it. I really enjoy his stuff. So I really love the comic. I love the way it feels and reads, and it's such a contrast. Um, I re- I got like I was at the comic book shop like a couple of weeks ago, and I got. Um, it was like these Dark Horse Presents or something. It was back when he was first doing them. I had only got one of them. But it was like his, it was like ten, 10 pages of Sin City when he was building it out. And then other artists in there were telling other stories. And oh my God, it's like you open up Frank's world and it's like this beautiful, like amazing art. And just like for me, it was. And graphically laid out nicely and, 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 and put together so fucking cool. And I read a lot about his process and stuff, so I kind of understand like how and why he does it and the energy that he puts in. And then I go to the other guy, and it's totally opposite. It's like heavy detail and convoluted, and so much shit going on. I can't pay attention. I can't. I can't. I don't know where to go with my eye. So yeah. it was like really cool being able to see his visual style, and it's totally developed. Just same with Mike Mignola. All these guys. I was talking about it with Anthony last night. As a lot of these artists and myself included. Uh, you start off, you're a bit insecure, so you overcompensate with all the detail. And then you realize that I don't need all this detail. Like the older and more mature that Mignola's work gets, it's more simplified. But it's yeah. like, it's still just as good, if not better, because it's he's still capturing the energy and he's still telling the story. And same with Frank Miller. I think the last thing he did was a bit of a flop for a lot of people. Um, I think it was, uh, I'm trying to look at it, Holy Terror. Um, and that was very artistic. It was much more like painterly and, and, and aggressive. But I think people were freaking out about the story because the story was like like super anti. Like uh, It was just, I don't know, people have their opinions on it. So I don't know. I haven't gone through it completely. But I am looking forward to the New Sin City. I haven't seen anything about it. I probably won't watch or read anything about it. I'll just go watch it. Because okay. um, I'm just curious. Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't want to be curious about it. I just want to go experience it as yeah. best I can, as raw as I can. It's been another thing I do. Do you do that? I mean, sometimes I like trailers, but sometimes I'm like, "Fuck, you just gave me the whole movie." Like, yeah, I'm finding that. Yeah, like I mean, the last few years, like the trend in Hollywood is give the whole fucking movie away in a one minute. I totally trailer. get it though. I get why because, like I said, it's that gamble, right? And they want to yeah. make sure that they go, "Okay, well." You know, we need this demographic. You know, we need to show that women are strong in this thing, and we need to show this and that. But when you get guys and studios that trust people to make good art, um, and I think that for the most part, guys like us or people um, that are really into film are kind of a niche audience. We're not the biggest draw to the crowd, you know, for the funds, you know. So people don't make movies for us necessarily because, like, we aren't the main hub of funds you know so yeah. not everything's gonna be catered towards us but that being said it's very annoying when the fucking trailer does everything it's like dude why do i even need to see it you know like i just basically saw it right here 
I, yeah. I laugh about that with my wife when we're in the theater. Like, well, I, we don't need to see that because I just saw it. You know? See, the good news is that you still go to a theater. I mean, I, I hardly ever go anymore. I hate the experience. Oh, really? You don't like people? I, it's not that I don't like people. I don't, you know, for me, like, so I remember I went to see the Titanic re-release. Hmm. Uh, I think it was like a couple years ago or whatever. And I was there with my ex. And, you know, it was the very final scene where Leonardo DiCaprio is in the water freezing to death, you know, and like everyone in the theater is really upset. And then all of a sudden, you know, the guy behind me is laughing on his cell phone. Oh, God. Oh, I fucking hate those people, and it's man. Like, it's like, really? They're like the, the fucking butt hair of the society dude i hate those people man but I, f- I find it happens now more often than not oh you know? yeah like i like i'll go see a movie maybe once or twice you know in a year in a theater the rest you gotta of go at the theater. right times man yeah i have the same problem and i even did uh what was the um what was the neil Blanc- Blancamp movie from last year elysium that's it, yeah, Elysium. So I went to see that with a buddy of mine, and there was, you know, a group of guys around, uh, behind us. You know, it was opening night. Everyone's really stoked for the movie. There's oh. a bunch of guys behind us just, like, laughing their asses off. It's like, <laughs> fuck, let, let us enjoy the movie, you know? Yeah, be ki- kind and courteous, you know? Like, yeah, it's, oh, God. And I, that's my biggest killer of, like, the whole movie-going experience. Totally. So now, like, I, I watch them at home, and I, like, you know you know, on my big TV and, you know, turn off the lights and all that shit. Sure. And so I try and keep it as theater like as possible. And, sure. you know, sometimes I'll try and avoid the spoilers and stuff, but there hasn't really been, you know, a, f- a lot of movies that I really kind of enjoy anymore. Yeah. And if I do see them, it's because I'm, you know, I want to see the visual effects or, you know, I saw, like I saw Ender's game opening day in IMAX because I wanted to see your shit in it. Right. It was really fucking dope, but it's like, it's very specific needs that I get. I have for a movie for, that makes me want to go see it in a theater now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you definitely, it's a, it's a journey for sure. And it's not easy, um, to, I don't know, like, I went and saw Spider-Man 2 last night. Um, I did a little bit of work on the end sequence with Blur, and so I wanted to see it, the work, but I also wanted to see the film, because I just thought, you know what, it'd be cool to just go have a popcorn experience and just, like, be entertained and watch some really cool CG, and there are some really cool scenes in there, like, CG-wise, you know, like, it definitely hits the CG, and they're trying to tell the story as well, and it's it's a, it's a very challenging to, to please these. Oh, it's, like, so much going on, and, and it's just, like, it's silly, but it's, like, I can't be, like, this is, has to be serious, I just have to be, like, let's enjoy it, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a group of, like, four dudes down the bottom, and, like, you know, the scenes where there was, like, emotion, the guys are like emotionally retarded, I guess. And they're like, <laughs> it's like, fuck off, man. Like if you, if you're, if you're, if it gives you a boner when the chick kisses a guy, like hold it to yourself. There's other people in this room. Like, yeah. I just can't stand. Uh, it's just people being douchey, you know, the same yeah. thing with people in cars, you know, it's like, I'm in my shell. I can do whatever. I really hate it when people are in the theater and they have their fucking bright ass cell phones at like full yeah. max. And they're right like around me. Yeah. Like I see it. I'm tall too. So I could see, that shit and i just like one time i almost got in a fight with a dude i kicked his chair super hard and i was like turn off your fucking phone so he's you cat he had it on for a long time and i have like angry issues i guess my wife and friends say i do (laughs) people just piss me off easily and uh and the guy's like what and i'm like i'm in the theater everybody else is here we're trying to watch this film i don't want to see your fucking text messages turn off your fucking phone or get out of here you know, and the guy's like, oh, it's a teenager, I guess. I don't know. I mean, 
maybe I'm being an asshole, but I mean, it didn't have to be like that. I could have just said, Hey, can you turn off your phone? I just, at that moment, I'm already like in my mind, I'm like kicking his head off his body, you know? (laughs) So the least I could do is like punch his chair, you know, like turn that shit off. So it's just like, I just, I just don't, I can't understand how people think like that. You know, it's just very selfish. And so I get you, I'm totally there with you, um, with the, and that's why I go see films like weeks after at like yeah. late at night when, or in the matinee yeah, yeah when the old people are there down and no one's there yeah and the, if they are they're silent yes yeah, so you go watch them when the old people are there too and they don't have cell phones they don't give a fuck yeah. and they're just there and quiet and they're just like courteous and you're like hey what's up old person yeah i like your style i like your movie watching <laughs> style i like your public space acknowledgement <laughs> <laughs> fucking people yeah. but it's all the kids and the teenagers and the fucking cell phones and stuff i sound like an old guy i'm only 31 but like it's just really, it can be really frustrating. So I feel your pain. And the bummer is, is a lot of films, you're supposed to experience it like that. You're supposed to go see it in IMAX and experience it. Like I went and saw, my wife and I are on vacation up to San Francisco and we went and saw, um, what's that Tom Cruise movie with the Tron director guy, Oblivion? Oh, Oblivion, yeah. Yeah, and we saw that in the true IMAX experience. Yeah. And the film didn't do all the things that I was hoping for, but the fucking visuals and Brad's work and yeah, and shout uh, out to G Monk and Dilu and all those guys. all those guys, you know, they always kill it, fuckers. And they always uh, do awesome stuff, and and the world is so beautiful, and the score, just the M eighty three stuff M83. is coming through. And it's like ah, oh, fuck. As soon this. as I saw the movie, I, I went home. It's like okay, I need that soundtrack now. Yeah, it has some really great moments. You know, there's a couple of tracks on there really great, but the IMAX experience, it like it. it it bled it, everything faded away because that yeah. experience was so strong and it's they there's been lots of studies that our brain functions the same as when we're dreaming as when we're interpreting a film or watching a film mm-hmm. so when you can be more immersed in that film setup the better the experience will be you know yeah. sometimes i don't go to the theater either because i don't have time or whatever and i put the headphones on and i have my ipad and i put it like right on my chest on a pillow yes. and it's like yeah big screen it's not the yeah. big thing but it's it's as close as i can get that moment and and usually that's when i'm studying a film anyways because i'm just like looking at each shot and the cuts and sequences and inconsistencies and stuff but um yeah that's it's it's challenging but some films you just have to see on the big screen you just it's a kind of like a a must-have you know you can't go watch like the dark knight on your phone oh fuck no like fuck off if you do that because you're not gonna yeah. enjoy it, you know. So it's your own fault. But but you have. But I would recommend going to see it in true IMAX and really experience that that experience. You know, it's a, that's Hollywood doing its thing. You know, as an industry, it's all those yeah. people's talent and work and effort coming together. So yeah, really cool creative people. Actually, that yeah, those films in particular, like that was just awesome creative people that had the freedom to do what they needed to do and what they felt was right oh they had to work for it incredibly i'm sure they sacrificed i mean if you're dealing with something as as valuable as batman um and iconic you're you're kind of rewriting like the nerd bible you know and and you got to respect it and and no one was smart enough to hire the right people and the right writer and 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 people that were better than him at what he does and you know and just smart dude you know very smart understands how to collaborate with people apparently so it's working for him so and you know um as much flack as those films get i think 
my personal I think that it's the best out of all the attempts to to portray who Batman is. I really do love the first two. Like they're just nostalgic for me and you know, Jack Nicholson as the Joker is just so yeah. iconic. But then you also have like Prince soundtrack and you're like, What the fuck's yes. going on here? You know, you have like these weird anomalies. I have a special like... edition of that soundtrack actually. <laughs> I do too. So I what am I I don't listen to it, but I just I'm such a Batman nerd, so I have to have yeah. that shit, you know, like a uh, Kevin Smith Batman nerd. But um yeah, that's awesome. But then you have like, you know, the Tumblr versus like the original Batmobile and the, yeah. the designs and they're both so amazing on their own level. But you really you, you, they're they're fucking far cry like I think Bale's performance in comparison to Michael Keaton's the first one, right? Mm-hmm. Like Michael Keaton is like, dude, I'll just fucking armbar the shit of that guy like instantly. He's not a fucking Batman, you know, like the guy's like, he doesn't care he's not a Bruce Wayne. I think Bruce Wayne's a very smart intellectual guy, but he's also strong and and, and, and intimidating in a sense, you know. And yeah. aside from the silly Batman voice, Bale is just rocks I'm a big fan of Bale's work anyway, so yeah. uh, I know uh, he's amazing. He's a method actor, he's fucking awesome. He he really carries a lot of weight when he takes on a film and he and it shows or, and he, or he drops a lot of weight in the case of machinists. yeah exactly i mean you go machinist and you jump into batman you know it's like you know two opposite body types you know but yeah totally like eight months apart or something crazy like that yeah that just goes to show you know when i watch a film with him in it it's like this guy really takes his job seriously you know like and he gets i remember that one time where he was freaking out on terminator salvation not the guy with the yeah, lights when he, when he was yelling at you fucking yeah. lights yeah, fucking. Yeah. Ah. I was like, I was like, dude, people get mad, but um, the normal populace, they call it like, they won't understand the pressure of what it is to be an actor. They won't understand the pressure of all these people looking at you all the time, and then being on that uh, on that set on that day with all the pressure of the world. Of course, you're gonna break, dude. And and of course, the normal person that's working like a nine to five job with no stress is gonna be like. That guy's an asshole. Yeah, you got you don't understand it. You don't have you, even. This, you, have, you have to step on set and know what these guys are through. Like, oh God, it's you know, a, yeah, it's it's not an easy job. It's not an easy job, and, and and not to say anybody else's isn't either. You know, like there's everybody. You know, if they're working hard, they're putting in. And, and th- what I'm basically saying is that he's really good in my eyes because he really puts a lot of effort into it, and he really owns his position. He he fucking puts himself in that, and that's I have nothing but respect for that. Anybody that does that it's like even if you're doing a shitty job good on you because it's not easy to put your all in every day you know so yeah yeah i definitely uh definitely dig his his stuff yeah my wife's always like you're a crush on bail i'm like yeah whatever yeah i do too dude it's all good <laughs> I call him baby face bail <laughs> baby face <laughs> yeah ever since you know what the first time i ever saw him was in shaft when he was like the racist bad guy in the oh, I don't remember that. I, I, didn't, I never saw that. Oh, dude, you have to. It's you amazing. To see that? <laughs> he steals the show. Oh, he does. Well, it was like, of course he does. You know, Samuel L. Jackson's right there, and like you know, all the like you know, they have a bunch of cast members from like The Wire and like all these great shows. Yeah, but, like, Wire's great. Christian Bale's there, and like he was really young at the time, and it's like you know he's gonna be something. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was in the Newsies actually. That was when he was yeah, a kid. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But um, yeah, and then you know he goes off, and I think he's like did the Machinist and the American Psycho. American Psycho, yeah. he's a fucking phenomenal in that. And yeah. even a movie as like convoluted and silly and ridiculous and crazy as like, Terminator Salvation is, he still carried it. He was yeah. he was John Connor, uh, Connor, yeah. right? Is that John what? Connor, that? Yeah. yeah. And he he carried the weight. I felt you know, and and even as Bruce Wayne, he he carried the weight. You know, like it, the, aside from the silly Batman voice, but so did Bane. You know, Bane <laughs> had the freaking Zoidberg voice. You know. <laughs> 
Uh-huh. That they had to re-record after the fact, and you still couldn't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, but what a hard task is that, right? How do yeah. you fucking give an icon a voice? You know, yeah. like how do you do it? And is the actor's voice, if it's silly, what are you gonna tell him? Like, okay, let's get somebody else in here to do the fucking Batman voice, and then people are gonna hate on that. It's just like, yeah. and it, he can't change his fucking voice. That's him, and he has yeah. to be this guy that has this intimidation. You know, I think the good voice for Batman was the animated series. That guy had a good voice. Yeah, and I mean, well, he's still doing it, right? He's still doing it for all the video games and stuff too. Oh, he is. Okay, yeah, well, that's uh, killer. Yeah, it's it's a, iconic, it's you know. Technically, he's the longest-serving Batman actor ever. Oh, well, there you go, man. That's cool uh, that you're Kevin a Batman Conroy. fan, too. Kevin Conroy is his name. That's it, Kevin Conroy, yeah. he's He does a great job, and he's got, like, Alfred, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, you do a good job. <laughs> <laughs> I should do Batman. Uh, that'd be funny. No, I just from growing up watching those because this is like one I, of my I favorite cartoons. I, I have it on my hard drive actually, every episode. Yeah, same, same for me yeah. too. I put it on every once in a while. I love like uh, when I love when Paul Dini puts his heart into those stories. Like uh, Heart of Ice, I think it's one one of them. Oh, is that one of the Mr. Freeze ones? Yeah, it's the best yeah, one. It's... I think it's one of the best ones ever because it's just like so much like like emotion in it and uh i don't know if you ever listen to kevin smith's podcast i've listened to a couple of them they're great and uh, he has paul on and paul breaks into tears when he talks about that story like he's crying on the podcast wow. talking about like why he wrote that and, and the, the muse behind it and you can just see that how much emotion he is and he's just able to hone, hone in on it and write it you know and he, he writes Batman really great, you know. Alan Moore does did a great job too. I just read The Killing Joke, which I thought was really cool. It was very more, very more, very much his style. Yeah. But I fucking love the Batman universe, so it's so cool. Even the it's, shitty it's stuff, just, it's, it's like it's yeah. rich. It right? is. There's just, there's so much there. It's so multidimensional. Yeah. And you know, you can just kind of find a way to relate to it in some way. It well, so he's a very he's one of the most human superheroes. That's why you know, yeah. like he's not like I'm not I'm not, a, I'm not a Superman guy. Like, cause it's just like I, I who never gives a shit? Really. Yeah, because yeah. like hey, well, I mean I don't know, but people, I mean, it's it's obviously he's a religious symbol, obviously you yeah. know, and and that's cool. But it's like I'm a human, you know, like I like dudes that bleed and 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 yeah. and have problems, you know. That's why I like Wolverine is a big favorite too, because people like he's kind of an asshole, but he's he cares and deep down he's like. He's a dude that wants to do good. Same with Magneto yeah. and stuff as well, and all that stuff. But this the the story arc and the character creation from for Batman is just like it's so sound, it's so tight, and that's why it's still around. And you know, Bob Kane and whoever he fucking worked with to make that in the beginning is very smart people with good intentions to make something cool, you know, or to make a paycheck. Who knows? So Better probably both. Out. Both work it for us because you know it's good to like, enjoy I'm, it i'm sitting here right now you know i've got uh i have every special edition of dark knight rises blu-ray release you know yeah. all the limited editions i've got all the bobbleheads i got everything right so like for me <laughs> yeah, you're a, a fucking nerd like me oh fuck yeah dude i've got like you know all <laughs> kinds of toys on my desk yeah well how much how how fucking cool is it to go watch like nolan's first first take on it were, were you stoked on it yeah yeah, me too. I was like a little it, it, fanboy. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm like, I'm an adult, but I'm enjoying this, you know, like in- incredibly enjoying this. It just kind of turned everything on its head though, Yeah, right? Yeah, and it yeah. made it so much more relatable than, you know, than even the uh, the ones, you know, the 89 Batman with uh, Keaton. Oh right? yeah, absolutely. It's like, it like, here we are, you know, okay, the guy had tragedy, wherever, he went away, but he worked at it. You actually see him working his ass off to get in shape, to learn how to fight, That's what you, you know, want. and to conquer yeah. his demons. And it's like, okay, this is someone, 
you know, he's a person and I can look at him and like see, you know, a little bit of myself in him as opposed to, you know, hey, he's just some rich billionaire that lives in a tower or something. And, you know, that's all she wrote. Yeah, exactly. You know, when you said that, I was just going through the, you know, the Luke Skywalker training with Yoda and then going into the tunnel and seeing like his dad and his face and his dad's helmet and stuff. It's like, you know, I mean, it's, this story has been told time and time again, you know, um, we just were gluttons for habit, you know, and then, and consider like a repetition, you know, and, uh, but comfortable with it. Well, of course, it's a comfort. It's like you know, going into bed. It's comfortable. You know, it's like I enjoy this. Is the you know, we haven't changed the design of how we sleep since we started doing it. You know, why change it now? And yeah. so the same thing with this kind of stuff. Um, but I absolutely agree. I and I and it was a lot of fun. And 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 that's a good valid point. Uh, a lot of criticism that I've had, especially from friends too, about that whole franchise is is when you try to be too serious, it becomes silly. And I totally agree. And it's very challenging to create a superhero. And make it reality. It's very challenging because yeah. it's easy for myself to go like, I wouldn't fucking do that, or that's stupid, or why would you do that, or you know. So, but I think he really held it through like as best as he could, you know. And it was, I thought he did the Batman universe really right, you know. And it's cool yeah, that well, he waited to do Inception until after that because that was actually, probably. I think it was like, uh, he wanted to do Inception, but he they the the studios wouldn't give him the the cash to do it. So yeah. he had to develop the trust, you know, and, and make Batman. Obviously, Batman just fucking blew the fucking lid with the success it had because it's a great franchise, you know. And Heath Ledger as 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 Joker. Oh, Remember when I heard that, I was like, the broke bad guy? Come on, what the fuck, dude? But, uh, I, I had the same reaction, but like, fuck, it, that scared the shit out of the me. The smart casting, man. Very smart casting. Very smart and really. Um, just, you know, people being in the right place at the right time and setting it up right, you know, because if you had the wrong Joker and you just had a kind of a douchey guy or kind of a shitty guy, it just wouldn't work. Even the guy that played the Scarecrow did a good job, that guy. Killian Murphy, yeah. Yeah, Killian. He's been, he was good in like uh, um, Sunshine and uh, quite a few films. Uh, he was in Inception too, but what was a film where he was like the main dude? Because Sunshine was one of them. Uh, I'm trying to blank here. I'm not good at movie uh, he, names. And... He had some movie like Jodie Foster or something. Oh, or I can't space remember. Space in an airplane. Red uh, eye. Oh, I didn't see that. No, I don't okay. know. But he, I, I, the rumor is he's going to be the bad guy for the new Tron movie. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, his yeah. facial facial features. Oh, it's 28 weeks later. That's it. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Danny Boyle. Awesome. Yeah, which is yes. my favorite zombie movie personally because I just it's definitely like it's scary as fuck. That's what and, a zombie and, movie and, is. Well, yeah. it's not even. Well, it's, it's not. Zombies, it should be cheesy. The people, you know? the people are scary too. Yes, and that's what I think personally. Like, I mean, come on, The Walking Dead. I mean, you, how much can you take from the fucking 28 weeks later or 28 yeah. days later? You know, the first scene basically is the same exact first starting scene: the coma scene, the hospital, yeah. the awakening. I mean, it's like you wake up in a bad dream. I mean, what if in that whole thing he's in a bad dream and he's just and and I always look at zombies as being like uh, people's interpretations of um, society without you know if if you lift the veil, it's all really nasty you know like and it's yeah. people's like viewpoint of of the the madness of society you know and people how gross they can be deep down but in underneath it all there are some people that do have good intentions and and are grounded in the goodness of reality you know so it's a very interesting subject matter too and it's interesting that it's taken off heavily again it's gonna i think it's already died out again though huh it's like max brooks made uh, world war z which is phenomenal if you have never listened to the audiobooks for um, world war z 
fuck do yourself a favor it's fucking killer it's got like henry rollins doing vo and like oh really uh, yeah it's he, or he's doing a read and there's a bunch of different like actors so okay. they, you're listening to these different stories but it's all done really like honestly and like wonderfully it's fucking killer i love it i listen to it probably like once a year twice a year okay it's because it's so much fun and it's it gets you really into it and max is a good author in the sense where he's able to like exemplify this massive on a weird world basically tell many different types of tales and stuff so and when i saw the film i was like what the fuck you shouldn't have called this world war z it's not even anything close to what the fucking the, book is the, mo- the movie just hurt my soul yeah it was, it was it was yeah i mean i i have to be very cautious about how opinionated i am on these films and i have to be very specific about what i don't like because i don't want to insult anybody because the production it's the production it's, was great but the story was just nonsensical yes exactly and it, and it, and it was a big clusterfuck i think even for yeah. brad from the little things that i read about it was just like he had to save a lot of the stuff and spend a lot of money of his own to fix the film and it was still just kind of like yeah i think they had to reshoot the whole ending and it's like it's just what a task what a challenge you know like it, you, in a lot of ways it reminded me of i am legend yes and it's just like I, dude i was i was let down by that one as well of course you know, you know production yeah. value looked great you know even the zombies or dra- uh, vampire things whatever the you know they're good for what they were I wasn't uh, super sold on him personally, but yeah, I mean they just. It, I think CG wasn't there for that for that at yet. that time. I think you needed yeah. to have practicals personally um, for those yeah. dudes. But I mean, it's challenging, right? Because it's like you have this strong like human thing that's flying around and just super powerful and stuff. And then, you, but you get Gumby basically, and even Spider Man was having some Gumby moments. They're getting better at it, but you get this like Gumby thing that's flying around. It just looks. Talking about the original Spider Man movies or the new one? Well, even the newest one, I mean, I can tell that they're, they've really done a ton of work and, and there's these really beautiful moments where I just want to freeze frame because he's doing those iconic Spider-Man poses, yeah. you know, yeah. and they're working on the muscle uh, stuff and making sure there's weight to it. And they did some really phenomenal jobs, but, you know, that movie had so many scenes of so much stuff. It's, I mean, it's amazing that it was able to even, they're able to even do it because all our lives we study humans because we are humans and we know all the nuances. So when we watch a human flying through the sky and hitting buildings and climbing up stuff, like our brain is already trying to like process the in-betweens between how that works. And we see all the flaws and it's very challenging for somebody to produce a realistic thing with that. And I think that's, that's where I like directors like Ridley Scott and, and, and when they made like alien stuff, because they hide a lot of stuff. Because yeah. you don't need to show it all. It doesn't have to be fucking bright as day with the light right on the fucking monster's dick, you know? <laughs> I don't want to see that. I don't need to see that. I just want yeah. to see, see its fucking, like, mouth coming out with all this jelly coming off. Yeah. <laughs> just glossy and, like, phallic and disgusting. You're like, what the fuck am I looking at, you know? And that, your life is forever scarred. It, forever scarred. You're just like, that is fucking freaky. And, you know, like, that's cool because they accomplished that, you know? So it's all within reason. That's why I thought Danny Boyle, they did a good job with it because he treated it, he treated the subject matter as it should be, you know? Yeah. Oh shit, dude! They're coming to get you. The aliens are the aliens. The, the zombie apocalypse is starting in Toronto. I, I wish that'd be kind of cool, dude. This podcast has gone on way long. Yeah, yeah I know. I Sorry. just I just took a look at the uh, the Skype count. I have to go piss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been at it for two and a half hours. Two two hours and two hours, minutes. Two hours and fifteen. Yeah, yeah. about that. Awesome. Well. This is fun. I, I don't think I think we just like scratched the surface and definitely didn't get the chance to talk to you about what the fuck you're doing. So I guess we're gonna have to do a part two when we get more time. 
that that works for me. Yeah. But uh yeah, sorry to make this like abrupt stop like Argh! but um It's dude, all good. We covered a lot of shit. I think so. I think so. Do you is there anything else that you had to make sure that you wanted to get done? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Okay, yeah. I have one quick thing and I've been doing it for uh, everyone I've been talking to. Yes. Uh ever watched Inside the Actor Studio? Uh I think so. I think okay. so. Okay. So sounds familiar. Ho- Okay, so the basically like they talk to all the Hollywood heavyweights, yada yada, um, at uh, the Actors Studio School in New York. And so the thing that the host does at the end of every episode, he asks like ten rapid fire questions sure. to his guests. So I'll do it for you now. Here it uh, comes. What's your favorite word? Uh, <laughs> cool. <laughs> what's your least favorite word? Uh, um, fucking. A doy. I hate that fucking word. You know what a people doy? say? A doy or a duh. Oh, okay. I fucking hate that. But I don't know if that's a word. It's okay. Um, no, that'll, that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Um, that moment, that like little second of creative bliss after working a long day. It's just like, it all makes sense. So that just like blissful moment. After a lot of effort. And what turns you off creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Just really shitty people. <laughs> I don't Fair know. Enough. Like, yeah, just really shitty work. Really shitty people. Just seeing other people doing crap. Just bums uh, me out. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? Um, I love the cello. I love the sound of a cello. Um, noise. I love like uh, the sound of uh, wind in the trees, like up in the hills in Hawaii. Like I love that sound. Okay. What sound or noise do you hate? Uh, I hate pe- when people eat loud. I hate it. Yes. Can't stand it. I fucking freak out. I can't like be around my wife or daughter when they're eating chips. I have to go like go away. I have a weird. Th- I don't know what my problem is. I just it's the most annoying thing ever. <laughs> I, I I totally agree with you on that. Oh my god, yes. So okay. you're like the only other person in the world that like that like it, it like it makes me upset like in a way that's like I just can't control it. I have to like yeah. and then it makes me feel like a little kid. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Why is it them eating chips making me upset? But that's definitely a sound I cannot stand. Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite curse word? Uh, I think of when you hear people eating chips. <laughs> You know, I mean, obviously, fuck is great. Uh, Joe Rogan uses cunt a lot, and I think it's really funny because it's still got a lot of power. So yeah. cunt is still really funny because <laughs> I like just dropping it, cunt bombs, you know, just getting cunty, you know. So I think that's pretty funny. I mean, because like I said, it still has power. Like fuck is kind of like become a thing. Out. Yeah, and 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 I try not to curse as much. Obviously, I'm not very good at it because I do still. But yeah, cunt is pretty funny. So. All right. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Um, I want to build cars. I'd love to build cars. And and, uh, and I guess I'm already directing film stuff like on the smallest of scales now. But I would love to like build and like make like fucking cool ass cars that I see in my head because I'm really into cars as well. Okay. What profession would you not like to do? Um, everything other than what I'm doing now because I've done almost all of it. <laughs> I've had like 50 jobs, so they all sucked <laughs> in comparison to this, what I do now. So, yeah. And the uh, the last one, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Fuck. Uh, the pearly gates. 
uh, fucking welcome to these pearly gates. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to my cloud of wonderment, Ash. Come play some chess with me. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> that works for me, dude. Yeah, yeah, awesome. That's really odd for me to do. I don't know. I just. <laughs> I guess because like, I internalize a lot of my thoughts and I just try not to think like try not to say something just ridiculously stupid but that's probably what the best that's, part about that is you know yeah it's exactly. like hey this guy actually is a really stupid idiot <laughs> and the proof is in these questions that I asked him at rapid fire <laughs> that's funny yeah but cool, uh dude. yeah how about we flip it on you how about oh, fuck yeah let's do that because it's it's only fair if we do that but I don't. I didn't write all the questions down. So no, that's fine. I'll, I'll read them back. Yeah, read, right. read them so, to me, and then I ask you, and then you answer them. All right, fine. What is your favorite word? Okay, are you ready? I have one first question for you. You've sure. Ever, what's your 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 favorite word? Uh, computer. Okay. Nerd. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a good word, though. Actually, it's a cool word. Uh, what is your least favorite word? Okay. What is your least favorite word, sir? Um, hungry. Uh, that's a good one. I fucking hate being hungry. I agree with um, that word. Yeah. It just, <laughs> it, it fucks up everything when you're hungry. Yes, it's true. Or sleep deprived. Or yeah. de- deprivation. From, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so the next one is, what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Ditto to you. Right back to you. <laughs> what turns you on creatively, emotionally, and sexually, was it? <laughs> Long walks on the beach. Back rubs. <laughs> um, now, what turns uh, you on creatively? Uh, seeing other people's really awesome work. Yeah, that's a good one. I agree with that one. Um, what turns me off creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Yeah, what turns you off creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Dealing with assholes. Yes. I fucking hate those guys. Yeah. How about we all group them up in a fucking big giant boat and just fucking kick them off in the ocean? Just make sure nobody put, lets them put on their them on shore. The Titanic. Yes, and just throw them into a fucking iceberg. <laughs> Fuckers. That works for me. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, what sound or noise do I love? What sound or noise do you have lots of love for? I like how you changed that. <laughs> I'm trying to own some creative uh, freedom on this one. Don't control me, dude. <laughs> um, my dog's snoring. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. Uh, what sound or noise do I hate? What do you hate about a sound that you hate? <laughs> uh, clients complaining. Oh, yeah. That's a fucking annoying-ass sound. It's so many different uh, tones, too. Damn it. I hate that sound. Okay, what's the next one? Uh, What's my favorite curse word? Okay, this is the last one. If you had to say a curse word, what would be your most favorite one to use? Actually, it's not the last one, but there's three more. Oh, there's Uh, three more. Sorry. uh, Favorite curse word? Uh, See, it used to be fuck. Yeah, see? But then I but then I asked G Monk about this last week uh. and he, he started getting into like combination swearing. Oh, okay. So like shitballs. Yeah, shitballs, yeah. So I think that's my new one. Shitballs is good. Or maze balls. Maze balls is good. That's not a curse word, but I guess it's a kind of combination. But yeah, if you add if you add shit to it, shitballs. <laughs> or shit you fuck. Like, you could do like shit cunt balls. Yeah, yeah. Shit <laughs> <laughs> Fuck ball shit cunts. Or uh um 
there's in Donnie Darko when his sister tells him to um, take a fuck or something like that or suck a fuck or something. (laughs) I haven't seen that movie in so long. It's great. So much fun. Uh, Like, yeah, she says, suck a fuck. I think that's what it is. So it's like, how does one suck a fuck? Actually, (laughs) he's like having her articulate it. So that's pretty funny. Okay. What's the last or the last three ones? Give me a. So what profession would I like to attempt? What profession would I not like to do? And what would I want God to say? Yes. Okay. So what would you like to attempt to do as a profession? Um, I would love to be a painter because okay. I can't draw or paint. Can means won't. You'll do it if you want to. So do yes. it. Okay. You so, got it, man. You okay. got it. And then what would you not want to do as a profession? Uh, be a professional athlete. Yeah, fuck I'm that. I'm too nerdy for that shit. Yeah, same. I mean, I'm down with it, but uh, yeah, it's not. It's not in my genes either. I'm the same. Even as much as I love jujitsu, I don't. I don't know if I would be on the level of wanting to compete like yeah. heavily. Um, and then, so at the end of your life, and if there's such thing as a heaven, and this weird like thing that people call the pearly gates, I don't know what this <laughs> is. It's like jizz, and it's like a fence made out of frozen jizz particles i don't know pearly <laughs> gates and there's this dude this bearded guy that somebody manifested and said hey my name is god and he said what's the first words out of his mouth as he sees you walk up to his jizzy castle thing what is it uh the party is down the hall and to the left and here are your escorts oh damn <laughs> shit you're fucking wanting to party hard with god dude <laughs> well no he can he can stay as the doorman oh I damn everyone else that's up there Dude, so so in your fantasy, God is your doorman to the jizzy gate. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're fucked up, dude. I can't believe you just said that. Well, you just compared heaven to a jizzy gate. So. No, the pearly gates, dude. Why would somebody call it the pearly gates? Come on. No, I'm not trying to hate on religion. That's got, I got a lot of friends that are really religious, and and it works in its own realm for them, and I think it's fucking awesome. But I'm just I'm just I don't know. I just find humor in like the funniest people's interpretations of things i just think is so fucking weird and yeah. funny and that included you know so but i hope i didn't insult anybody don't be insulted by my stupid words because they're just words you know if you get insulted by them then obviously uh you're you, you i don't know you're too sensitive stop being a stop being a cunty bitch <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the perfect way to end this that's i was just i was pulling out my louis ck <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Don't be insulted. I'm just, I'm just joking, people. I just like to joke. I got jokes. The hu- the universe is funny. It's there to us for our amusement to laugh at. So don't take it too seriously. <laughs> awesome. Well, dude, thank you so much. I'm. You can't see me right now, but I'm putting my hands together and I'm bowing in oh. your regard. I, I'm doing it to my screen as well. But <laughs> our webcams aren't on. Fucking nerds. Uh, yes, thank you so much. Hi, hi, thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, be with you, sir. Yes, always, every day. And uh, if Bruce Wayne said something cool, I would say it, but he doesn't say anything other. Fear me, but that doesn't go with this conversation. So the force must be with us both, and we shall carry on the rest of our day, clicking the mouse and pushing pixels around. Yes, and not being hungry. Yes, let's go. Be thankful that we live in this century where we can have food at every corner. That's true. <laughs> on that fucking awesome note this podcast is over <laughs>